Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, welcome to, into this uh, Saturday edition of Southern Sports Central. We like to call the fifth quarter radio show. My name is Will Porter. I'm usually the one that uh, Richie Altman says that I'm uh, pushing the buttons, answering the phones, and uh, doing everything behind the scenes. But today I am uh, pushed out of the woodworks and going to produce a show and, and give you a show uh, full of football, full of a lot of football action, football games, topics, all about all of that to talk about in just a matter of two hours. Um, this is a, a bowl game uh, day for a lot of teams, a lot of really, really awesome matchups, a lot of awesome football to get to uh, today and tomorrow as well, as tomorrow is uh, NFL Sunday, week 17, and a lot of action uh, to be had in week 17 as the NFC race for the number one spot is still wide open. Now, there's a lot of this stuff to get to, but um, I do want to bring, of course, uh, Richie in here. He's he's joining me today. Uh, he's we've actually swapped roles for this one, haven't we? We have. Yeah. So, a lot like like I said, a lot of this stuff to get to talk about. Uh, of course, the the college football playoff picture. Uh, th- these games begin today. It starts off with the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl over in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, the number one team, LSU, going up against number four, Oklahoma. Uh, an undefeated LSU team, the SEC champions, and just a, just a dominant team with a Heisman Trophy winner in Joe Burrow uh, going up against Jalen Hurts and uh, Lincoln Riley's uh, Oklahoma Sooners. They are favored, LSU is, favored over um, the Sooners, 13 and a half. And then at 8 o'clock, that game is at 4 o'clock, and then at 8 o'clock, the number three team, Clemson Tigers, will take on the number two Ohio State Buckeyes in the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, a rematch game a couple of years ago at the same site for the the same semifinal game. And we know what happened last time, and I'm not going to harp on it, but both teams undefeated 13-0, both their uh, conference champions. Clemson is slightly favored by just a safety. Now. A lot of this, just just to put this into perspective, a lot of uh, betters, a lot of people who are putting their money on this game, I personally believe should not have done that in the first place because this game is is a coin toss. We've talked to a lot of the es- experts this week. Uh, we've we've really listened to a bunch of these a bunch of these matchups. Uh, just the the predictions, they are so close, and they could. They could really go either way. And both of the quarterbacks, Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, for both teams, they've had sort of the same, uh, the same upbringing, 
um, as far as how the game is played and how football, their style of football is played. And just to encapsulate all of that, we'll get into that uh, later on in the show. Uh, we had some uh, college football bowl games to get to, a um, lot to talk about from last night. Um, of course, the military bowl, where UNC defeated Temple 55-13. to The New Era Pinstripe Bowl, which was played in Yankee Stadium. We saw the likes of uh, Michigan State uh, take down Wake Forest 27-21. to The Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl. Texas A&M beat Oklahoma State by a field goal with a final score of 24-21. to The San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. We saw the likes of the Iowa Hawkeyes just annihilate the Trojans of Southern California, 49 to 24. And then the Cheez-It Bowl, we saw Air Force beat a Washington State team, 31 to 21. And so I want to bring in Richie here real quick. And before we go to break, just to kind of recap these games, we watched uh, some of these. You, you, of course, were, um, you, of course, were here in studio and I was, I was away, but still nonetheless got to watch these games. Um, or, or some of these games, in fact, what was the what was the one game that stuck out the most? Whether it was a, a dominant performance by North Carolina or uh, just just a huge upset uh, by like just a huge upset by Air Force or by Iowa winning their games. Uh, what say you about these? Well, for me, guys, uh, good morning. I, if, first of all, you're watching North Carolina all year long, I, I've enjoyed seeing Mac Brown back out on the sidelines, being back home at North Carolina. And, and doing what he's done. Yeah, I, I understand that the record that he has coming into this bowl game is not what you would want coming in here. Uh, that's why he's in the military bowl. That's why he's where he's at. That's why Temple was his opponent. And uh, he did everything right. He had these kids ready. He had them amped up. He had them energized. They look really good. That North Carolina team yesterday beats a few of the teams that they lost to during the season. Let's kind of look back at what, what Mac Brown did last, uh, in a few months Going into before he got to this bowl game, he almost knocked off the number one team this year, Clemson Tigers, had a true freshman quarterback the entire way through. Top 20 recruiting class coming in, guaranteed. All six of his losses, by the way, came with one touchdown or less, two of those in overtime. That's how good Mac Brown is. That's how good North Carolina is. And you know what I couldn't wait for the most yesterday was to watch him get down in the locker room. But, boy, he did not. Let us down. Not once, not twice, but it did a hat trick. Three different dances, all under the locker room lights of that winning team, and they end up winning big. Uh, and and kind of to give you a little caveat there of, of kind of a disappointment for me, and, and I would have to go into the disappointment part of it, was really honestly looking at, at Washington State and, and seeing what the coaching staff was yet to not be prepared for. The defense, I thought, looked very sluggish. Uh, they, their coverage was very soft. Air Force didn't have a very good defense as well uh, throughout the first half. They tightened up in the second half. But Washington State, they just couldn't cover this guy. They couldn't cover the quarterback. They couldn't cover anybody. I mean, I, I don't really understand what was going on. But nevertheless, uh, that's kind of the way it worked out. So, I guess North Carolina be on the ups, Washington State on the downs. And they just gave uh, the head coach over there, Washington State, um, a four-year raise going into 2024. So, uh, <laughs> his extension – is there, but to lose to Air Force, uh, you know, that's that's a big deal over in the Pac-12, I can promise you. Yeah, well, there's, there's still a lot to get to. Uh, a lot of the recaps also uh, for games that happened on, on uh, Thursday and Friday. Of course, we got into some of the Thursday games, but um, uh, some new, some more news that is coming out of uh, of the woodworks here 
Uh, and we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and, and just really, we're going to really dive in a little more into these uh, matchups, uh, past and present, um, the, the ones that happened and then the ones that will happen uh, coming up today. And, uh, and then also kind of, uh, in a way, looking looking at the the New Year's uh, six bowl games, uh, the other ones that are of uh, really the utmost importance, but um, they don't have that that much of a pool as the college football playoff is, because that's what's uh, that's what's happening right now. Uh, but but the the four games, of course, that are going to happen next Wednesday, we are uh, four days away from the New Year um, if you if you count today, and just really really there's like I said a lot of football going on this weekend and as well as the next few days coming so we're going to take a quick time out here when we come back we're going to dive into this uh these college football playoff semifinal matchups you are listening to the fifth quarter radio show right here on southern sports central we'll be, we'll be right back one, two, three o'clock, four o'clock, rock. Five, six, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, rock. Nine, ten, eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock, rock. We're going to rock around the clock tonight. What's this bad flag show? Join me, home. everybody you're just joining us welcome into southern sports central this uh saturday edition of southern sports central right here on block talk radio um this is the fifth quarter radio show that uh of course i yours truly will porter i'm the host puts on and uh richie altman is to my right and he's going to be the one uh to uh, put the put the conversation out there on uh twitter uh, put it out there on the on the social media so you can be able to interact with us a little bit more and hey speaking of interaction if you want to uh, call into the show and be a part of the show, uh, be our guest because the guest call-in number is 323-784-9681. Um, and th- this number, of course, is, is on our Twitter at SO Sports Central. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. 
um, and on Instagram as well, I do believe, Southern Sports Central. And uh, uh, we want to thank our, our sponsors real quick, first of all, uh, Gerns Pharmacy for sponsoring the studio, uh, putting this all uh, together, this, this whole production. It, it, takes more than just, uh, it just takes more than just two, and uh, we're thankful for them to uh, put a name to the studio that we are uh, sitting in now comfortably. Um, so now, without further ado, uh, the first game, uh, there are actually two games this afternoon uh, to start off with. The first one, uh, the first one's on the ESPN, and the other one is on ABC. I, I want to apologize yesterday for, I think I accidentally said it's, uh, I think it's Illinois State, but it's not. It's actually Iowa State. It's Iowa State going up against number 15, Notre Dame, in the Camping World Bowl. And that one's going to start off. That's, that one's going to kick off at 12 o'clock noon um, on, right there on ABC. Now, uh, Notre Dame is favored by three and a half. And the thing about this game in particular is that, you know, Notre Dame, they, they, they are going to meet Iowa State for the very first time in this game. Um, and they've, they've never faced um, each other in football. And they've been playing football for, for over a century. And so what's really to look at here? Well, Notre Dame is not really used to being in, in a position like this. Uh, when I say in a position like this, they're talking about being so low on, on the totem pole in the rankings. Because uh, this time last year, they were ranked uh, top four. And in years past, that they, were, uh, they were constantly up there. And so now, when you take a look at this game, um, you know, Notre Dame is favored, uh, right, rightly so, and the over-under is 54. They're expecting a, uh, quite a bit of scoring in this game, but Notre Dame is, is favored at, at three and a half, and they have won their last five, whereas um, uh, Iowa State has struggled over the last stretch of uh, a few games. They have uh, lost three of their last five, and this game is at, at Camping World Stadium in Orlando, Florida, and uh, expecting you know, quite a turnout, I would, I would think, for uh, Notre Dame fans uh, in particular, as we have a caller on the line, this, uh, the Matt, Matt's Burgers Hotline. And so we're going to go straight to this caller and say, top of the morning to you, you are on the fifth quarter radio show. Hey there, how are you doing this morning? I'm good, how are you? Good. Is Richie on this morning or is it just yourself? Oh, it's me. I, I'm hosting it, but of course, Richie is, uh, he is by my side with this. Uh, um, who, who are we speaking to? It's Greg Brindisi out of Somerville. Hi, Greg. Hey, just wanted to call in and get your thoughts. Uh, Buckeyes versus Clemson today. I think it's going to come down to secondary because they're solid. They're both teams are solid, solid quarterback, solid on the offensive line, solid on their defense. But what's your thoughts on the defensive backs on both sides of the football? I think they're both kind of – there's going to be some open holes, and I think that's where the game's going to be dictated is in the secondary of both both teams. Yeah, I, I agree with that uh, wholeheartedly. You know, the, the, these are two complete teams. Or, or, um, or what did you say, Ohio State is the more complete team and, and Clemson would be the best team or vice versa. But uh, this game has been talked about. It's going to come down to uh, defense because both teams are, are stellar on the offensive side of the ball, um, and, and both have been able to put up you know, such spectacular numbers up against their opponents. Uh, I mean, the points per game show it themselves, uh, 46.5 for Clemson 
and then almost a little over 48 and a half for Ohio State. And then Clemson's defense has been able to hold their opponents to an average of 10 and a half and Ohio State's 12 and a half. And so, um, you know, really and truly, I personally believe that it, it is going to come down to uh, defense and as well as who, who can stop the ball uh, from, from getting to the other side of the field, who can, who can be able to stop the, uh, who can be able to stop the run game because both have very spectacular running backs um, that, that kind of go unnoticed uh, in, in a way. I think uh, it's J.K. Dobbins for Ohio State and uh, Travis Etienne for Clemson, who has been, um, if, if I may say a word, that he's been evaluated as either uh, the best running back or just, uh, just a key piece in an offense and not so much a game changer, but a role player. And so, you know, you, you're looking at this, you're looking at this matchup and, and this is why I say, and a lot of the experts say that it is a coin toss. Uh, you know, this, this is kind of an any given, any given Saturday, if you will, because this game could very much go uh, either way. And I can guarantee you that the Ohio State team that Clemson faced in the Fiesta Bowl the last time that they played is not the same Ohio State team that uh, Clemson will play uh, tonight when when kickoff is at eight o'clock. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I think on both sides of the football, number one cornerback is going to be a lockdown. It's going to be it's going to come down to everybody's number two cornerback and the running backs out of the backfield if the linebackers cover or not. And I think that's where it's going to be decided. Absolutely. And um, if you don't mind me asking real quick, uh, if you were to choose uh, in this game, and it's, it's very hard, it's a toss-up, but who would you choose? Uh, I mean, I'm a Buckeyes fan, so I've I've got to give the edge to them, but it's not much of one. You know, it's all right. Well, there you, well, the there you have it. The Buckeyes started out as a favorite by two, and now Clemson's a favorite by two. So, yeah, like I said at the top of the broadcast, uh, Richie, and I'll I'll hand it over to you. There's a reason that I said, you know, the the betters and whoever's um, you know putting money on this game are fools because th- this game could pretty much go either way. And I certainly hope that nobody is going to like blow their life savings or or just uh, make a ridiculous bet on a game such as this because it's that close. Yeah, yeah, I that agree close. with you. I agree with you. Greg, good morning, buddy. Um, appreciate you getting in here with us. Uh, we're going to give you a shout-out here in a little bit and, and some of the other stuff that you do here around the community in Somerville. Uh, but that being said, you know, I, I'm with you. I, I think it's going to be a very close game. I think what you're going to have to look at is who's going to take it and who's going to give it. You know, some you look at some of these statistics, and to me, uh, Greg, it's going to be one in the trenches here for me because I, I know that, that Ohio State takes the ball better than anybody else. Clemson just doesn't give it away <laughs> as much as anybody else. So, to me, who's going to win the turnover battle? Uh, build-up position is going to be really, really big here. Uh, can the secondary, and that's kind of maybe what you were talking about too, can they cover those big, tall receivers that can jump out of the building? Can they jump out of the stadium and catch these things in the corners? You know, it, it's going to be a great quarterback duel. I do give the nod to Ohio State's quarterback a little bit better. I think he's been here uh, before as far as uh, mentally-wise. You know, we, we forget how young this quarterback at Clemson really is. He came in early. You know, he didn't even finish his senior year. There's a lot of things about this young man that he hasn't been challenged, but yet has been challenged. So, to me, this is probably, and I hate to tell you this against LSU or say this against Oklahoma, but this is probably one of the better games that you're going to see in the bowl season. But, but I'm, you know, I've been going back and forth with who I think is going to win. And, and for me, you know, I'm going to probably wait to the end of the show before I even give my, my predictions on these two games because of the fact that it's so close. 
Yeah, I just on this game, I I wouldn't even be able to give you a prediction. I mean, both teams deservedly be are in there. They both deserve to be there. You know, it it's a toss up. But you yeah, know, there's, there's no doubt. Fans, <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt that that any of the four teams that are in the college football playoff deserve to be uh, the champion. It's just going to come down to. You know who's gonna who's gonna have the upper hand in in this game in, in specifically. Uh, the the next game, of course, uh, is the one before it at four o'clock uh, this afternoon, and that's going to be um, Oklahoma going up against LSU here uh, in the in the Chick Fil A Bowl. This one, this one, I believe, is going to be um, all about offense and and a matter of who can like who can be able to score. But Oklahoma has such a huge task because LSU. They're favored by 13 and a half, and for good reason, because they have a Heisman Trophy candidate. They have one of the top offenses in the country, uh, for that matter. And just to look at what, um, and to really look what Joe Burrow has done, I'm looking at the numbers right here. He's only thrown six, six interceptions, 48 touchdowns, 47, um, 4,715 yards that he has thrown in, in his uh, season this year. And so far... Uh, Jalen Hurts is the rushing leader for Oklahoma, as well as he is the quarterback. And, um, and with the rushing yards, he is he has completed 18 touchdowns, 219 carries, 1,255 yards for Jalen Hurts. And I, I think I I think it was um, I think it was Ben Moore yesterday, Richie, that said that uh, Oklahoma is really going to have to uh, try to run the ball. Um, run the ball a lot because that, that's kind of where their scheme is with, with a mobile quarterback. You think about the past uh, couple of years, you include this year, but last year with Tyler Murray, the year before that with Baker Mayfield, been uh, very mobile quarterbacks in the Lincoln-Riley system. Um, and, and, and Greg, I'm gonna, I want to keep you on the line here as well and, and to, get, uh, to get your thoughts. But, uh, Richie, what, what exactly will this game come down to as far as uh, game strategy for, for Oklahoma? Because it, it's going to be, how is Oklahoma going to respond? Well, for me, it's all going to go on Jalen Hurts' shoulders. I mean, this is a guy who has been here before. He understands the situation. And I think for the first time on either Friday morning or Thursday night, it hit him that he is not with the state of Alabama. He doesn't have the University of Alabama on him. He doesn't have all the weapons that he's had at the University of Alabama neither. And if you look at the weapons, man, he's been kind of shortened a little bit here going into this game because he's going to be without four major guys here. A defensive end out, six sacks on the season. He leads the team. He will not be on the field come uh, today. Running backs not going to be in the back back there. He has one, 8.1 yards uh, per rush there. He's out. Wide receivers not going to be on the side or on the football field. Six of the seven receptions resulted in first downs and touchdowns by this young man. He's out of the deal. And then, of course, the final guy that's not going to be over there uh, a safety over there with 75 tackles. He's second on the team. That's huge. When you don't have some of those gunslingers and those weapons and the things that he's had all year long to get through, uh, the likes of a high-powered flying uh, conference like you see in the Big 12, well, guess what? Here comes LSU, very similar to what you've seen all year long, but you don't have the weapons in the secondary. You don't have the guy in the backfield to hand the ball to. It's all on your shoulders. And you saw when Clemson played these guys back in Tampa, that would be Alabama when Jalen Hurst was that guy, when that running back went down in Alabama, it changed the entire concept, the entire direction of how uh, Alabama had to become one-dimensional. You can't do that against LSU, just like you couldn't do it against Clemson, because you're this deep into the playoffs. You're seeing a lot more 
uh, athletic dudes all over the field. And it's not just the first row of guys. It's the second, the third row of guys, because just like Clemson, just like Ohio State, LSU is very deep on talent sitting on the sideline waiting to come in. Uh, to your point there, Richie, I'm here rumbling that the starting running back for LSU is not going to play. And that's well, that's something else that they're waiting to, to – I think – I don't know if it's a cat and mouse there. Uh, you know, I'm trying to, you know, get get into that as you as you as you speak now. I was looking into that myself, and uh, you know, I think they're waiting I think until both teams are in a little game cat time. and mouse game. Yeah, and I, I and I, I agree with you, Greg. I think you're seeing that on, on on probably three different teams that you're seeing that some guys may play, may not play, and and you've seen it in high school. I know you and I get a chance to hang out some over there at your spot there, and I do want to kind of give a shout out quickly. Uh, to that because I don't want you to get off the air. Of course, he owns. He, this is the owner, uh, Will, by the way, of Hometown Pizza here in in town. He's the uh, the one stop shop, best pizza and wings in town. Of course, uh, Friday nights he stays open an hour, two, three, sometimes four hours later after high school football's over. <laughs> yeah, we we give them a shout on that. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're looking for somewhere to go, let me help you out. Go over there and hang out with Greg and the crew today. They're going to be open. I'd imagine uh, till late tonight they'll be hanging out. Over there at 205 Grandview Drive, that's Unit H. That's the final unit. If you're standing at the building, it's the far left there. Uh, go in there, hang out, eat some pizza, uh, drink some beverages. Your choice there. I'm sure the, the, the bar will be open. Everybody will be ready to rock and roll there, too. But uh, it should be a, a good time. But, uh, yeah, Greg, I mean, the one thing I will tell you is that today, even though it's not jam-packed like Saturdays are, are normally, the one thing I do like is that there are not so many games overlapping. You're going to have to get two TVs, which is where you come into play here with about 20 TVs or 20 or 30 TVs over there. Uh, we will have uh, Memphis and Penn State going against each other, and of course, Notre Dame and Iowa State at the same time. But after that, man, you get the 4 o'clock, you get the 8 o'clock game, and that puts you guys shutting the doors down sometime around 1230. Uh, should be uh, a, a solid nightcap there with Clemson and Ohio State. And it was funny when he asked your thoughts and who you thought was going to win. I was thinking to myself, this is a Buckeye. Let me see if he goes against his Buckeyes. He won't be allowed to go back to the state of Ohio. <laughs> Can't go against some buzz, you know. <laughs> I, I appreciate Quite. the shout-out, fellas. Just want to talk a little football with you all this morning. Well, yes, sir, I completely understand, and uh, uh, good luck to your Ohio State Buckeyes tonight at 8 o'clock, uh, taking on the uh, reigning national champion Clemson Tigers in the uh, PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. This is a, a rematch of a couple of years ago. I can't, I can't get the year quite right, but, um, but nonetheless, these are going to be two, uh, two awesome teams for one awesome game, and uh, you're going to be hosting one giant party, Greg, and um, I, I can't wait to uh, see what the result is uh, come this time tomorrow morning. That's right. All right, you take it easy, buddy. Take care, fellas. All right, there you have it. Greg, the owner from Hometown Pizza. Can you give yeah, me his Greg, last name? Great. He's, well, Randizzi's his last Randizzi. name. Yeah, okay. He's great dude uh, on and off the course, uh, the restaurant lifestyle, just what he does in the community. He gives back to Somerville. Uh, he's done a great job over there for the high school at Somerville. He provides pizzas for the coaches before the games. Uh, and, and that's always fun, you know, so we eat before the game. Okay. And then when we go to the game, we, we have more pizza. So, you know, I get a pizza <laughs> fix, uh, on a regular, then after the game, I go and have wings. So, uh, you know, it's always fun to go around, you know, it's kind of like the old song cheers, you know, you know, you, know where everybody knows your name. Everybody knows you, your you name. only, you only, uh, uh, only insert the chorus here. You know, like the, all, all the verses, <laughs> yeah, all about, the verses about your husband wanting to be a woman or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even going to get into that, but you know what's funny, dude? So like, we were riding down the road one time, man, oh and, and this song came on, and, and I was I was riding down the road, and 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 it was it was interesting. I don't even know how it came on, 
and uh, I, that's that that verse came on. That's the first time in 41 years of my life back in let's say April that I heard that verse into that part of the song because they don't play that on the TV show. Oh no, 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 so no. that that part doesn't happen. Yeah. So so I was like, oh, oh. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to go there no more. I don't want to go there. It's like going to, it's like Disney World. You know, Disney World is a great little spot, but they don't have sweet tea. You know, and and I got a problem with that. But if you go to Dollywood, Dollywood's like you know sweet tea and rides. So it's like you're getting double the punch there. I don't know if you've ever been. Have you ever been to Dollywood? I I want to say that I have been, but it's been a long time since. And and I and I wouldn't be I wouldn't be old enough to remember it possibly. Yeah. Wow. I know. I know. You keep I'm, 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 I'm uncultured. That's what I am. We I'm uncultured. About. Uh, I will say this. This is released uh, recently. Uh, the quarterback over there at Baylor, uh, the, who has now been released, Charlie Brewer, uh, was, of course, the concussion in the Big 12 championship game. He has now been cleared to play against Georgia. That means a lot. That's a big deal there, of course. Uh, that's a New Year's Day Bowl over there uh, in the All-State Sugar Bowl. Baylor, Georgia, going to kick off at 845 on uh, Wednesday night on ESPN. Uh, that means a lot of difference. All right. Now, Georgia, of course, uh, they're all going to be over there in Louisiana in the Sugar Bowl. Yeah. Uh, but but I wonder if uh, Georgia is going to have an excuse why they don't come in to play. And, and, you know, Nick Saban said this a couple of years ago, and, and maybe we're all guilty of this. Yes, we always want more. That's just the way it is. Your lifestyle. You know, when, you, when you're making, you know, $20 an hour and you're thinking, man, I'm going to live in this world. Even though if I make 35 or $45 an hour, you always upgrade to that lifestyle. It just happens. It kind of slowly digresses up to that area or, or progresses, I guess, in this area. Yeah. But, you know, same thing goes with this. I mean, have we just forgotten how cool and great it is to have a Sugar Bowl with a number five Georgia taking on a number seven Baylor? Baylor, who, oh, by the way, can throw it around, can run it around, can do the things. And guess what? Up until LSU. Georgia hadn't given up anything on defense. Has been really good. So that game, it ought to be a good one. And then you look at the Rose Bowl. It's no different. You've got a number eight versus number six. Oregon number six coming in against number eight, Wisconsin. I mean, there is still a lot of great bowl games to yeah, happen those, here. Those are those are good games, yeah. uh, especially with the Rose Bowl. It being, uh, it's always been a Pac-12 versus the the Big Ten yeah. uh, rival going going out west to Pasadena. It's it, no, it's incredible. And and those games, those games to me growing up have been like so prestige so so much like such a a much much needed uh must watch game that that was the word i was trying to get to must watch games and when you know with this college football playoff yes it's it's kind of uh it's kind of helped to uh re-elevate those but i'll be honest man i I feel like the the uh, playstation fiesta bowl is is in the college football semifinal every every single year or or just about uh in the for the final game every single year I they don't, they don't rotate it, yeah. You know, and, and you're right. And I wonder, I don't know if it's re-energized much, but I, I, I think maybe it's, it's, it's kind of hurt a little bit more to get that momentum going because on the first man, the first, by the way, is the best day of college football. Oh I yeah. Mean, look at, let's look at the Outback Bowl, number 18 versus number 12. That's Minnesota 18, 12 Auburn. That's going to kick it off at one o'clock, and then you get right into with the, of course, Citrus Bowl. That's a famous bowl. That's the old you can't spell Tennessee without the UT. Uh, our citrus without UT, and that's all Steve Spurrier took there was he would knock uh, Tennessee for not making it into the course the the bigger game the Sugar Bowl. Yeah. Uh, of course, that to me Alabama and Michigan number thirteen taking on number fourteen. That's another really big game for Michigan and Harbaugh and his boys for them to beat Alabama. Man, how great would that really cap off his season? Because he's not had a bad season. He just can't find a way to beat Ohio State. But guess what? Nobody else could this year either. Uh, would you look at it and then. 
Alabama, same way. Or, or you know, this is probably the best two team loss. Uh, yeah, two team two, loss. Two loss team. Yeah, two loss team in the country, and they're already down there at number thirteen. I mean, uh, to be honest with you, I think they're a little low there for how really good they are. It's just you either really like them or you really hate them. Well, I I think that the the uh, the shine that Alabama and the Crimson Tide have had is, is diminished because they had a, a number one overall pick and the Heisman uh, leading candidate for the Heisman Trophy, and that was uh, Tui Tagovailoa. He goes down with an injury. All of a sudden, the shine is lost. It's like you threw, you threw a baseball at your grandma's china plate cabinet. But and how? For some, and, and like, for some reason, the college football playoff or, uh, or however these, uh, these rankings here are determined for Alabama to be at, at number 13 – after only having two losses, and they were at like number one or number two at one point, and they they had their first loss. They let's see, they had their first loss against LSU. Okay, that's qua- that's what we would determine a quality loss because the way that the way that that set up was because that they they lost against a good team and an undefeated team in LSU, who is rightfully so the number one team in the country going into uh, today's game, and so with Alabama. They they lost then their their uh, I think their season finale to Auburn uh, there in um, in Auburn right and for them to then for them to go down from I guess maybe four or five five because they were the first team out I remember this um, they were fifth and then they lose to Auburn and Auburn's a, a, one of the best uh, three or four loss teams uh, in the country as well and and then they they take that loss. And then all of a sudden they're down, they're down in the teens, and that's something that that I don't understand, and and you also are frustrated at that as well because this is like it's such a good team all around, and it just happens to be that that the quarterback, um, the, their starter that that was going to go number one overall in the NFL draft, uh, is now hurt with with such a um such a unusual injury, uh, to to a football player, and and I think it was uh we our minds automatically went to uh, Joe Jackson. Um, or Bo Jackson, it was Bo Jackson, whenever uh, the injury was was announced. But, you know, nonetheless, uh, for them to go to the Citrus Bowl, this is the first time that uh, Michigan and Alabama are going to uh, play each other in a game since uh, Tom Brady was at Michigan. Uh, so uh, put a time stamp on that. I, I was probably a toddler whenever that, uh, whenever that game went on, I think 1999. So it's been about 20, 21 years or so. I'm sorry. Am I taking you back? Oh, you're so young. I know it's good, man. It's good. I, and, I, and I'm a culture too. But you apparently. know that you know you're not. You're, you're and you're in the band. <laughs> but um, you know, for me, I, I look at this will and 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 getting into Auburn. Auburn's a, a, you know, again. Here's the thing: there's so many people that want to see the SEC fail, and those people have votes, and those people have abilities to put people in certain places. And it is what it is. The only thing you can do: you want to shut people up, you want to get people to quit cocking at you and talking to you, beat them. That's just the easiest way to do it. So for Auburn to go in and, and handle business against Minnesota, now what they're going to say is, well, you played Minnesota, they're number 18th in the country. They're not that good. You know, they had some good runs. They they really kind of beat the teams they were supposed to. They lost the team they were supposed to, and they might have snuck a win in there. They're not going to get a lot of credit because it is Minnesota, right? Uh, and then on the other hand, now I do think if Alabama finds a way, and they can beat Michigan by double digits, that would probably be pretty good. But you're still going to hear the echoes of, well, it's still Jim Harbaugh. He's really not that good in big games. He can't find a way to win the big games. It's always going to be an excuse instead of giving the credit. You know, when we see people do that in our day-to-day life and our jobs and, and, and everywhere we go, there's always those, just those negative Nancys out there. But, again, you know, I've never seen so many people be so amped up to watch the SEC lose. And, and, and I get it. 
there's a lot of conferences that are catching up to them. But they're still an elite conference. They're still the best conference in college football. Oh, absolutely. And, and the, the SEC West, I think, is the, the, one of the toughest divisions right there, along with the, the Big Ten West. But uh, you talk about the SEC West. I mean, Auburn is ranked 12th, and then they're one ahead of Alabama. Auburn is 9-3. and three, Alabama is 10-2. and two. And that, like, that's, that's one thing that I'm, that I'm kind of uh, scratching my head at being confused at because, uh, you know, Auburn, they, granted, Auburn beat Alabama. So that's probably a reason why, it, why it's up there. And, uh, and like we're so or, – or the public is being so down on Alabama. But, um, yeah, the, the SEC West is, is so tough because you have the LSU. You have the Alabama. You have the Auburn. Uh, you, have the, you have the Texas A&M uh, and Jimbo Fisher. Uh, and that's one of the one of the game recaps that we'll uh, uh, transition to here real quick. But uh, Jimbo Fisher and his ability to uh, being able being able to uh, get better as the as the day went on. Uh, I know we we talked a little bit before uh, before we went on air, but uh, for for them to beat a a rival from uh, across the river uh, in Oklahoma State um, and those Cowboys. Uh, beating them by a field goal, 24 to 21. You know, you know, Texas A&M w- was trailing um, just a little bit uh, for most of this game. They they trailed 14 to seven going into halftime, and then they tied it up in the third quarter. And then it was just it was just a shootout uh, for the final uh, final 15 minutes of that game. Um, and it was what it took was a, a Kellen Mond, a career high 117 yards, and throwing a touchdown pass. As uh, Texas A&M, they scored 24, uh, they scored 24 straight points, and they overcame an early deficit, and they beat Oklahoma State uh, Friday night. And so, uh, and not only Kellen Mond being the the leading passer, but the leading rusher as well. Those those 12 carries, 117 yards, 13 for 19 passing, 95 yards, and a touchdown. He he really carried that team on his shoulders. Um, and you know, and and echoing what you said, Richie, that. This Jimbo Fisher uh, Texas A&M team got a lot better as the day went on, as, as the night went on. Uh, their their play got um, their play got better. I, I what I want to say just uh, um, if, just trying to recall this game because there's there are so many pieces to dissect from from different parts of this game to different aspects of this game. But watching it, they did get a lot better on offense and playing a more disciplined uh, uh, playing a more disciplined defense in only allowing uh, seven points after the first half. Yeah, I, I think to me, what, what stood out the best to me was, was the quarterback play of, of Kellamon there. He, he had not looked all the way he had looked in 2018. He didn't look that way in 2019. He wasn't nearly as good as he was getting into this. This is a kid how, by the way, he decided what he would do, though, is he would be a little more consistent, make sure he's going after the right passes in the air. He went 13 for 19, only 95 yards and a touchdown. Uh, but where they really, I thought, looked better than was on the ground. I, I mean, and you look at rushing. He was their leading rusher, 117 yards, 12 carries. But that's a little skewed because he had a 71-ish, somewhere in that ball game breakaway touchdown that, that really kind of separated, really kind of took them over. And, and when you look at it, you know, that was a career high for this guy. 117 yards and threw for a touchdown, you know, with A&M kind of getting in here and scored 24 straight points to overcome that early deficit like you had talked about. 24-21, it was probably the, one of the better games yesterday as far as going back and forth, back and forth. But to me, it, there were so many different headlines here, so many different ways that, that those journalists and, and guys that do radio and TV could really dive into this one. And, and they went down early, 
14 nothing. I'm sitting, you know, here at the studio and had the, the TVs on and I'm watching it and I'm thinking to myself, oh, well, here we go. This is going to be a long day for old Jimbo again. He's probably wishing he was back in Tallahassee. And then they score seven. Okay, cool. 14-7 going into half. This is a manageable game now. Then they decided to show up and tie it up in the third quarter, but the defense stood up for A&M. That's where you, you don't see it in the Big 12 as much as you do in the SEC. So they, they shut them out uh, in the second and third quarter. Those were probably, if you gave a game ball to somebody, I'd give it to the defense because they shut down second, third play on a team like Ohio, excuse me, like Oklahoma State and the Cowboys. It just doesn't do good. If you're a cowboy, you don't want to go play in the state of Texas, whether you're in the NFL or in college. You don't win. Uh, but that may be the, the, uh, the Achilles heel there. But they did give up seven there at the end of the fourth quarter. But the good news is, is that's when they, being, of course, uh, A&M in the 12th man, which wow, they showed up in fashion, too. Good, good for those fans. I've never seen somebody at a bowl game. Yeah. That, Four, that, he has more 10, 10 points, man. That, that kind of shut the door. Yeah, that, that, that game was in Houston at uh, NRG Stadium right next to uh, the Astrodome, and that's where the, the Texans play. Yep. And so, uh, go ahead. And real quick, I think it was this game, too, that the quarterback and receiver, both of these guys played at IMG and have been teammates. They are also roommates, and they have been together since eighth grade or some, something like that. So that's kind of an that's easy really storyline, cool. too, right? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the, the one play that you're talking about uh, that, that put them up 21-14 uh, to 14, uh, late in the first in the fourth quarter maybe maybe it been in the third quarter i'm not sure oh no it is the fourth quarter um with uh, about 10:45 left kellen mon uh run it ran it in for 67 yards and that was a touchdown uh, and that was the um and that's how you talk about that the rushing numbers were kind of skewed because it was a quarterback keeper um that that just uh, broke away from defenders and be able to uh run it uh for for half a field and more uh and then it, it really came down to the wire and su- such a close possession, such a close game, but uh, it, it was a really good game and a great win uh, for this Texas A&M team that is uh, in, in its way, in its own way, being rebuilt uh, with a, with a coach, a quality coach like Jimbo Fisher. And I think that this just gives a lot of newfound confidence. If, if that confidence was ever lost or if this confidence was just starting to um, begin to seep through, but, for them to get this win and then improve their season to eight and five, which um, you know th- this could have this could have very well gone the other way for them, um, barely getting one win uh, more than the the six and six marks to go five hundred on the season, and they get into a bowl game, they get into this bowl game, and then they win it. Th- this inspires, I think, a lot of confidence into a, a Texas A and M uh, program. This um, uh, this Aggies organization that uh, put a lot of faith um, and power into Jimbo Fisher's hands and for him to uh, just bring it up uh, and, and to uh, put on a show, if you will. And, and Kellen Mond, uh, again, fantastic young man uh, on and off the field. And for him to put the team on his shoulders on offense and be able to uh, run it up the field, to be able to, to sling it all over the field the way that he needed to and props to his receivers for, um, for helping him on that as well. But, uh, to, to to beat a to beat a team from Oklahoma that uh, I think that this was years ago this would have been a, a Big Twelve rivalry yeah but uh, now it's uh, Big Twelve versus the the SEC and this is uh, again a a great win for uh, the Aggies and look at it also with the recruiting because these guys are so uh, you know geographically they're very close to one another they overlap each other's recruiting beds Texas is a hotbed for everybody it's kind of like Florida California. 
there's those three major states that everybody goes into to get their athletes, and it's no different for uh, for Oklahoma State. These guys had a lot of kids that were from in and around there. There was a couple of other stats here that that I was trying to kind of find here as well that that I had heard throughout the game that that you kind of look at. Uh, but uh, again, uh, you know the one thing that kind of has come to my mind during these bowl games is, is that injuries are so high. So many teams are dealing with so many injuries. You heard that in the caller just a minute ago, but Greg called in here, and we talked about it with, of course, Oklahoma. We talk about it with now LSU and some questions there. Uh, Ohio State's probably got a few. I know Clemson may have a few here and there. But a lot of teams across the country, this is kind of a it, – it's a different deal. And I'm wondering, is it the trainers that they went after at South Carolina? They, of course, uh, fired the, uh, the head trainer over there at South Carolina because of the injury bug that it went through the locker room and through the field there with the Gamecocks. But – that's another thing that you look at, and you have to wonder yourself, why are these athletes hurt as much as they are? Why are there so many guys who are sitting out, not just bowl games, but throughout the season? There was a huge number that came up yesterday, uh, and I don't know which game it was because I watched football from the time I got off the air to the time I finally fell asleep, but it was just an, it was right here at the top of my mind thinking, wow, this is probably the most I've seen this many kids hurt throughout the season. Yeah, and that was really unfortunate. And uh, uh, also speaking, uh, I think uh, it was an offensive coordinator that that got let go. Um, I'm trying to find it. Yes, Miami. The the Miami uh, offensive head coach or, or offensive coordinator, that coach, uh, Dan Enos. He was uh, released. He was fired on Friday, and that was one day after being uh, shut out by uh, Louisiana Tech uh, in the Independence Bowl there. And and they they. They announced their decision with a one sentence statement. I, I found that um, I, I found that kind of funny to me, um, but uh, I'll read it here. The University of Miami. This is a quote. Uh, football program announced Friday that Dan Enos has been relieved of his duties as offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach. End quote. That's it. No, no thank, no thank you to the program. Uh, excited, uh, excited to see what he does in the future. Uh, we're we're looking. They're not. Uh, we're looking into uh, who's going to be the next. Uh, I, I I don't know. I, I really I really don't know what to say because there's not a lot that was said in this in this statement. When you look that bad, <laughs> I mean, and they look bad. Holy <laughs> moly, Miami was awful. I mean, offensively, there's no reason. I say this on this show. I had this conversation with people yesterday, uh, in in and around. Of course, Miami has more kids accidentally walking on their campus then most people have to go find a recruit. I mean, you look at – I mean, we talked about it on, on the show a couple of weeks ago during the Monday through Friday shows, Will, that, that if you look at the state of Florida, down in that Miami area, they've got eight of their – of man, maybe let's go five or six. Five or six of their high schools that, that won state championships came from that area in Miami. Those five-star guys are dude, – those dudes are there. Yeah, you got to get, get them to come home. And then you got to teach them how to do it this way and do it that way. There's a lot more to it, but to be that bad in that ball game and not be able to put up a field goal, a, a, a touchdown, nothing. And, and again, Skip Holtz, you know, he did the best I've seen. Somebody really kind of go in there, and he had time to prepare. Let's remember that. Now he's got through three, four weeks to prepare for Miami. Uh, you didn't need that much time because Miami not that good. But uh, I, I think that was probably fitting. Uh, you know, you couldn't put any points. We're not going to give you any characters on Twitter. That's just how it works. Yeah. Uh, well, the the uh, athletic director for Miami, uh, he gave the, the head coach a vote, a vote of confidence. But uh, the athletic director did say that the changes are necessary after the Hurricanes 
Uh, they completed their second losing season in 12 years, uh, and they struggled offensively in their only year uh, under this offensive coordinator and the quarterback's coach, Enos. They averaged 25, a little over 25 and a half points per game, which, you know, that, like, if, if, you, were, if you were up to that average in, in the game, you would have won because it was 14 nothing Louisiana Tech, and they, and they uh, take home a bowl win. Um, I, think, I think they're in the MAC uh, conference. I, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I'd have to go back and look at it. I don't know. I yeah. haven't really kind of gone through there. But, but 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 again, you know, they do play. You know, they 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 play some some pretty decent teams on their caliber level. But Miami's just a train wreck. We've seen this all year long. You know, they right. they've upset a few teams here and there, but they've been more upset than anybody. Yeah, and, and I I am going to be interested to see where um to see where Danny Nos goes because he was a. Uh, he was an offensive assistant at Alabama last season. Uh, before that, he was, uh, uh, for three seasons, the offensive coordinator at Arkansas. Uh, before that, he was the head coach at Central Michigan from 2010 to 2014. Um, and so uh, it, it's going to be, I'm, I'm just intrigued to see exactly where, where he goes and uh, who Miami hires next can determine uh, the, the next uh, success or uh, the next train wreck and who is going to be the fall guy. Uh, th- I think this season it just happened to be uh, Enos because he is the he is the offensive coordinator and the quarterbacks coach both, and very two uh, important positions um, for for a coaching staff to be on, other than the head coach. But uh, you know, nonetheless, th- this is going to be very telling for the Miami Hurricanes team, who is so used to. Um, who, who has a culture of, of winning because it, it's that history that is there uh, it, it, within that program. But uh, it's like so much history now because they, they haven't seen the likes of, of being as successful as they have been uh, in recent memory. And like I, like I told you, that, that stat line, the second losing season in 12 years for this Hurricanes team. Yeah, Miami's been going in this direction for a long time, and you can't get the former coach of Georgia to go in there and, and win who, of course, played in Miami, you know you got troubles, okay? And, and, and when you look at what's happening, we say he's a guy. I think he just, again, he's not fair. He, he, he just, it wasn't a good fit. I'm not going to say he's not a good offensive coordinator. I'm not going to say he's not a good head coach. He's just not a good head coach and not a good offensive coordinator in Miami. You don't go into a bowl game against that much of a lesser opponent in a smaller conference the way that they are and get zipped out, get blanked out, not put a touchdown on the board. Are you that bad? Because the defense, I didn't think the defense did bad at Miami. Miami's defense did well. They only gave up 14 points. I mean, you should be able to win a ball game giving up 14 points against a conference like you just went up against in a bowl game. Right. Uh, and, and uh, you know, all the, all the love that we can give to Miami's defense because that, I think that that was uh, what, what kept them from getting blown out even more than just two possessions, that, those two touchdowns, which, in my opinion, is a manageable lead. But they, they just could not be able to find uh, – to find the traction needed to be able to get this, to get this show on the road, to be able to put up points. And like you said, not to put up a field goal, like not, not even good enough to get a drive so far down the field to get within field goal range and then have your kicker be able to put one through the uprights for three. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not good. It, it's not good at all. And you wonder, they went through three quarterbacks and trying to find something. So Again, That's right. you go through recruiting. There's a lot to be, a, and, and, and there's a lot of this onion you want to peel back because it's not just one thing. It's not just two things. It's an offensive line that could not block anybody. It's a wide receivers that couldn't get open. There were missed catches there. Running backs who couldn't seem to get their, 
get their cuts in check there. There was a lot of different things that really led Miami down this road they're in. And, and my question is, I, and I don't think that the coach they have down there right now is the right answer for the job, Will. Uh, I wonder who is the right guy. Because if Mark Rick can't go down there and win, again, say what you will about Mark Rick. I love Mark Rick personally. I think he's a great guy. He's been on the show only one time. I'd love to get him back in here. Mm-hmm. But for me, to have a guy like that go down on your campus and, and he just finally said, look, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we just blow this whole thing up and just move Miami. Maybe we just, I don't know. I don't know what we do, but they have to do something. And, and I ask you this question. Would Jimmy Johnson come back? You think the old Jimmy Johnson guy come back? How cool would that be? Somebody's got to come back this yeah. guy. Some type of something. And again, it can't be an Irvin, an, an, an Irvin, John, an Irvin, um, Irvin Meyer. Irvin, no, well, Irvin Meyer might do it, but I don't think he would either because of his ties with Florida. But uh, Michael Irvin is Michael who I was Irvin. thinking of. Yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't need to be a player. It needs to be a coach, a guy that's coached the game. It's like Deion Sanders has been on – you've seen him on social media. Yes, I have. Scrutinizing coaches and going after coaches about, look, dude, you don't like what high school coaches are doing? Go get you a degree and get in there and coach. It's a lot easier to you sit there and, and sit on the sideline and say it's easy to do this, just like what you and I are saying. And I'm not saying it's easy to win at Miami. Evidently, no. it ain't. Yeah. You know, look, if, if the former coach over there, Mark Rick, can't do it, you know, I wonder who, who can come down there and coach because – Again, you don't have a problem recruiting. You're just not recruiting the right players. See the, Clemson and, did that, too, back yeah, in the day. Yeah, and see, the, the thing about Miami, though, is, you know, you have we, – we've said it about the ACC. It's Clemson and then everybody else. And Clemson is not even in your division. Like, you're in the same conference, but you see – you'd be lucky to see them in, in, the, uh, in the ACC championship. Uh, it's what they did last year, I think. But, you know, nonetheless, I, I think that the – this is going to be very telling for uh, uh, Manny Diaz, who is the, court, uh, the, the head coach for Miami. Uh, he, he's, he's gotten a vote of confidence from uh, he's gotten a vote of confidence from his um, uh, offensive, uh, not the offensive uh, coordinator, because he's, he's the one that just got let go, um, the athletic director, and he's gotten a vote of confidence from the athletic director. And so, because of that, the changes that will need to be made uh, now it's going to be very telling. Okay, so the next person that they hire. If, if he is not successful, then you've got to take a look at the head coach because if you're not, if you're not going to pay attention to those signs and, and being like it, because it, it's going to be very telling as to the future of this program, how successful that the head coach is as far as recruiting, as far as strength and conditioning, as far as all of the aspects that we talk about when it, uh, how, how it comes to a game to be played and what matters most. Yeah, I agree with you. And what else would you expect the uh, the guys over there at the uh, at the campus of Miami in the athletic department say? I mean, I, I it's it's to me that 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 message is nothing but protocol. That was just one of the ones in the insert button. They just needed to drag it over, tag it, and put it in there because a vote of confidence. Yeah, dude, co- what kind of confidence it. do you have when you you can't win but so many games? Congratulations, you made a bowl game. That that's I guess that's that's good enough for 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 some. But in the University of Miami, you know the Hurricanes. That's that they need to find that swag somewhere. And I don't know if they'll ever have it again. I don't think Miami will ever be what it used to be in the 80s. Oh, the bad boys era? Well, yeah, the bad boys era. Just that whole, the U. You know, the U is is just, it's hard to find it. You know, and once you lose that swag for some, it's hard to get back. But for me, the, the answer they got is, is like I tell people a lot of times. Manny Diaz might be a great coordinator. And he evidently is. And I've seen him do great coordinating things. He's a great enough head coach. Well, he's not like, a good enough head coach. That's a problem. He's yeah, not a good head coach. I know. In, right. the, in the eyes of the Miami athletic director, he is a good, well, head, for right good now. enough head coach for right now. Well, that's because he I, hired him. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it, it, my, my opinion on this, and then we'll, we'll table this discussion elsewhere and, and have possibly somebody else uh, uh, join us 
um, at the start of next week uh, talking about this. But I think that if the U were to ever come back and, and talking about, you know, the, the 80s, the bad boys or, or however you want to look at it, to be a dangerous team the way that they were back um, back a couple of decades ago, they need a quote. They need a coach like a Jimmy Johnson or they, they need a coach like that uh, to cultivate that um, just to really cultivate that program and to uh, create that, that culture again. Because that, like, that's what it's going to come down to if they're going to be uh, dangerous like that again. Now, with it's being, this is a new, I think it's a new era of football that, that it was back four decades ago. There, there's a new style of quarterback that everybody wants. There's a new style of offense that everybody wants to see. It's a new game of, it's the same game of football, but it's a new style. And if, if the U were to come back, I think that they would have success. But it would just be a, like a bland style of football that not a lot of the public would want to see week in and week out. Yeah, they're not going to be able to go back, Will, and I'll say this and, and, and turn it to you here top of the hour. But, you know, yeah, the old you not going to be accepted here in the new in the new era. Again, what they used to do in the 80s and that mentality and that whole swagger thing they had, it worked for them. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like some offenses. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Sometimes you can bring them back, and they'll last for a little bit long, and then they, then they kind of go away. The Wildcats, prime example. It was hot when it was hot, and then you tried to bring it back, and everybody kind of figured it out. The air attack of Steve Spurrier. You know, he was one of those guys. A lot of guys used to believe in running the ball a lot and then throwing the ball. He's like, no, nah, we're going to throw it first and run it. Again. You know, it, it, it worked in the moment they were in. For, for Again, Miami, the facilities just aren't there. The atmosphere is just not there. There's a lot of things about the U that, that is going to make it hard, to be honest with you, because of their nightlife, because of their extra activities outside of the campus walls, because of the lack of support on the campus that they get in town. Again, I said this earlier, in Notre Dame, you're in this conversation too. You, you do show out at your games. I will give you that. I'm an Irishman myself as far as you know my background in history. But when it comes down to it, you know, you have just as many fans sitting around the country that will love to put on their Irish and come watch you at a local bowl game. Miami, you have more people show up at your bowl games that are fans of yours historically because they like the, the guys that used to be the you, and they want to come be a part of that whole swag that they have. Right. Uh, and, you know, that, that this, it's just telling to um, uh, how the program and the, 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 the direction that uh, Miami is going. The 305, the, the, these other schools are, are picking players out of their own backyard, and there's no way that they can be able to um, – there is a way but that, that's going to be a long shot um, and possibly a misfire <laughs> to uh, be able to revive that program and to be able to uh, pick players out uh, as they please from, uh, from the Miami, um, Miami Wade or Miami Dade area. Uh, it's Wade County because of uh, Dwayne Wade and, uh, and his time there with, uh, with NBA. But of course um, that's neither here nor there. Um, uh, top of the hour uh, coming up, it's going to be the nine o'clock hour. We're going to transition into uh, some NFL action and, um, and to get your thoughts, uh, Richie, and uh, anybody else uh, that wants to be a part of this conversation up and coming, uh, you can call into the show. Again, the number is 323-784-9681. We want to thank uh, Greg again for, um, for calling into the show and uh, uh, got his thoughts. It was, uh, it was interesting to just uh, kind of hear from uh, a voice other than mine or Richie's to um, you know, get the, con the conversation rolling for the college football playoff 
uh, semifinal games that are going on tonight. And uh, be sure to check those out on ESPN. The first one is at 4 o'clock. That is uh, the Chick-fil-A uh, Peach Bowl. That is uh, Oklahoma and LSU. And then at 8 o'clock, the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. That is um, uh, Ohio State and Clemson. That's going to kick off at 8 o'clock once again. So uh, we're going to take a quick time out here. You are listening to the fifth quarter radio show on Southern Sports Central right here on Blog Talk Radio. Coming up next, NFL in hour number two. My family and I were suffering with no protection from the hot Carolina sun. I called the Tent Farm, and they told me about their line of ceramic window film. Now I have 99.9% protection from harmful UV rays for the ones that matter the most. You don't have to be a math teacher like me for those numbers to make sense. Don't be alarmed. Call the farm. I was driving in extreme Charleston heat. I couldn't take it any longer. I wasn't alarmed. I called the farm. I used to be the victim of bad tent. It was so horrible, I was embarrassed to be seen driving even in my own hometown. I called the tent farm, and they took care of me. I wasn't alarmed. I called the farm. I'm Jonathan Farmer owner and founder of Tent Farm. Are you a victim of bad tent? Are you suffering from extreme heat? We here at the Tent Farm want to help you with these horrible conditions. Don't be alarmed. Call the farm. And welcome back in, everybody. My name is Will Porter. I am the host of this fifth quarter radio show right here on Southern Sports Central. Hour number one is done. Hour number two coming to you right now. As uh, Richie, I'm going to bring you in here real quick uh, one more time uh, just to talk about the, the college conversation real quick. Um, the, the most intriguing game that is going to be uh, uh, up and coming will, of course, be, uh, I think, Ohio State and Clemson. But um, aside from that one and the and the Oklahoma LSU game, what say you is is the one to look out for? Are we talking about today? Uh, talking about today. Yeah, uh, so today, you know, you you kind of want to look around, and you don't have to look too far here. Uh, Memphis and, and Penn State for me, that's a game that's very interesting to me. Even though I like Iowa State, and Notre Dame, the other game that's going to happen at noon, but this is a high noon ESPN kickoff. It's over there in a very neutral site. It's in Texas. Neither one of these teams reside in the state of Texas here, so it's very neutral. It's very much a road trip for, for everybody there. You know, you got them coming out of Tennessee. You got the others coming out of Pennsylvania. You know, who's going to show up? I would imagine the, the, the Nittany Lions are going to have a great crowd around them. I also expect to see Memphis do some things. They like to claim that they're respectful enough to be inside the Power Five conversation, even though they're kind of in that other six kind of con- uh, conference right there, right up under the other five. But for me, Penn State comes in here. They're very explosive. They have a chance to do some things. James Franklin, uh, I love his poise, his attitude, the things that he brings to the table. His quarterback play very good there. There's a lot of things here that they need to win this game. They kind of put a stamp on what could be a really big season. Memphis, on the other hand, coming in at number 17 in the country, for them to win against uh, a, a team that, that they go up against in recruiting as well. Again, that's, there's two fronts to playing bowl games, Will. Number one, you get extra practice time. A lot of people don't realize that. As you're getting ready for your game, you get to practice. And that's teams like South Carolina. They, their last practice was right before Clemson. And not just South Carolina, but other teams that have not made it into a bowl game. 
or even the bowl game guys that were playing two weeks ago when it first started off. Right. The more you, you know, the later the game, the more the practice you get. And then number two, it's recruiting. You get a chance to recruit a little bit more because you get to play a little bit more. You're getting to tell people, look, you're going to play over here, but you're not going to play last November. You come over here, you're playing into January. There's a big difference there. Uh, so there's those two fronts there, but it's an it's the David versus the Goliath. When, when, when David doesn't realize he's not Goliath, you know, he thinks he's Goliath too. So it's going to be a fun matchup here for me. And, uh, you know, I'm a big James Franklin guy. We had the guy, the, uh, the radio personality out of the uh, state of North Carolina that joined us here from the 49ers, uh, Charlotte, you know, you right. know uh, Charlotte. And, uh, he joined us. He played at Penn state, but, uh, I just like what James Franklin's all about. I think he's a down to earth dude. He's a real guy. He's a player's coach. Uh, you know, he has the ability, I think, to really do some big things. And for what he's done at Penn State and the little bit of time he's been there since he left Vanderbilt has been incredible because he had to really do a makeover at Penn State because of all that they had gone through. Yeah, Penn State is favored by seven in this game. And again, it's going to be uh, one of those. Uh, let's see what happens. So now that we're done with the college conversation, uh, hour number two, we're going to talk about a lot of the uh, NFL conversation. Uh, Specifically surrounding the NFC, um, uh, Eden has this um, has this feature where you can uh, enter in uh, an NFL. Uh, they, they call it NFL. What is it? Is um, take it as standing of, of today um, and week seventeen and all of these games. The current playoff picture stands as this. Uh, the number one seed in the NFC is San Francisco, and number two is Green Bay. Um, and I will say that go. Uh, and the number three seed is uh, New Orleans. And by because it's the, the NFC conference champion, if they were to win, uh, if they were to win today, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles would uh, would win it, and they would be the fourth seed. Then fifth, uh, the first uh, the first wild card team would be Seattle, and then the sixth uh, wild card team would be Minnesota. How close that this is, you have. Um, you have two teams, three teams that are 12 and three, and then the fifth seed, Seattle, is 11 and four. And then uh, the AFC, it's not so much, um, not so much of a difference. I mean, the the um, the matchups are already already decided um, for that for that one. Uh, if if um, if I get this right, if Pittsburgh were to win, or or Tennessee were uh, were to lose in the AFC. Then Pittsburgh would be in as the, that last wild card spot. Uh, that that's one quick to point out because uh, Pittsburgh has gone through so much this year that it's absolutely crazy that uh, Mike Tomlin has been able to um, put out a, another winning record. He he has not had a losing record um, in a season since he's been the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and that to me is the most incredible thing. And th- and that that really stems from the top down because um, I remember. The, the conversation that surrounded them was, um, you know, the, do they need to let Mike Tomlin go? Is he, is he that good of a coach? Or even at the beginning of this year when they lost Ben Roethlisberger and they started, uh, they started the season, I think, 0-2 or 0-3. Um, and the, the question was, are they going to tank? No, they didn't tank. As a matter of fact, they're sitting at 9-7 and right now. If they were to lose, they were to lose today's game, then that would be all right because they would still be uh, a winning season. Of course, they wouldn't be. Uh, in the playoffs, uh, trying to fight for a, a, a more of a postseason berth come January. But uh, if they were to win today's game, uh, if they were to win today's game uh, anyways, or or the fact that Tennessee would uh, would end up losing, uh, they would be in. Now, on to the, the NFC. 
it it is wild. It is absolutely insane. If Philadelphia were to win today's game, despite the result of the of the Cowboys game against Washington on Sunday, Philadelphia would be in as a nine and seven team. Even if they tie New York Giants, they would still be 8-7-1. and one. They have that advantage over the Dallas Cowboys, and they would be the fourth seed uh, in the playoffs. The, the crazy thing that it's going to come down to in the NFC is who, who is going to win their appropriate games. Because I, 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 was, uh, I was playing with this uh, uh, playoff machine last night and just kind of uh, the, the speculations, oh, what if this happens, what if this happens? Uh, and this is just purely uh, win-loss. But if Seattle were to win against San Francisco, Green Bay were to be, is set to be the number one seed in, in the NFC. And they would have home field advantage all throughout the playoffs up until the Super Bowl. That, that is huge. What's, e- what's even larger is if the Saints were to win their game. And, and I think it's important that the Saints win if, if they want to go and make a, make a deep postseason run in the playoffs because they have to have, in a way, have to have home, home field advantage because it's so loud in the Superdome uh, come in the playoffs. Um, and just a, just a few more just a few notable uh, areas is that if, if San Francisco wins their game, then, of course, uh, San Francisco uh, locks up the number one seed. But that game is on Monday night. And so um, – you and I, uh, I'll bring you back in here, Richie. You and I, being uh, Packers fans, we're, we're, we're going to have to root for the Seattle Seahawks uh, come Monday night to, to beat the San Francisco 49ers if we want our, uh, if we want our Packers to be um, the number one overall seed in the NFC. Yeah, that, to me, this is one of the, the things. This is probably the greatest weekend in football, period. You got the college football thing going on this weekend. You got bowl season going on. And then, oh, here comes the NFL doing their thing on, on a Saturday, Sunday, Monday deal. And, and, again, like you mentioned, the 49ers win. They're the number one seed. They get to have the home field advantage. They'll win their division. That's, oh, by the way, still wide open. And they, again, will play Monday night. How fitting is that, though? Monday night matchup, 49ers, Seattle. And then here comes Marshawn Lynch, beast mode. They bring him on. They bring Skittles and, and Lynch into Seattle, and uh, he jumps out of the car. Here comes Skittles. Here comes Lynch. And it's a new look, a new team. I don't know how much they're going to give him the ball. I don't know how much he's going to be used as a decoy neither because they're going to have to plan for him. So when you're planning for this guy to run, that's going to leave somebody else open. You've got to double up a big guy like that. So for me, the 49ers win, they're in. Boom, you said that. If they lose, the Packers win. They beat the Lions, then they're in. What if the Packers lose and the 49ers lose? Well, then the Saints come marching in. They're the number one seed. But what if they all three lose? That means that Seattle won, and Seattle's the number one seed, and they yeah, won their it's, division. It's crazy, isn't it? Last like, week of the season. That's yeah. what you want, though. This is NFL couldn't have planned this any better because on the other side, and you'll get to that later, uh, you know, it is what it is. And then you got to look at it. The Eagles and the Cowboys are still fighting for some type of something here. Uh, it's going to be an early exit for either one of these programs. I get it. Everybody says, well, well, zero, zero. Everybody's back down to ground zero. But neither one of these teams, I don't think, are as good as even their record shows. But I will say this. We said injuries in the last conversation, right? Right. Same thing for the Eagles, man. You, you got to say it is what it is. The Eagles have been hit harder than almost anybody, well, at least out of the conversation that we're having now, with injury bug going through Philly. It's been a hard one. It has been a very tough season for the Philadelphia Eagles, and and not to mention, uh, or that goes without mentioning that you know this team two years ago was in the Super Bowl. They won the Super Bowl. 
and now that they're they're i guess say it call it what you will being brought back down to earth and then the question becomes you know who who wants to win the nfc east apparently nobody does uh that that's been the running joke for for the second half of the season because you know washington let go of their head coach um the the giants are i guess they're still rebuilding if you will i like i have no idea uh the cowboys they they have all the talent in the world i swear they are the best team on paper it all, like almost on paper, one of the best teams in the NFL, but the coaching and I, and I would even go as far as to say that Jerry Jones, uh, he, 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 as much as he wants to say that he'll get out of the, the football operations and, and letting the coach do his thing, I, that that's not going to happen. Even if Jason Garrett is fired after this year and it's going to happen, I, I guarantee that it's going to happen because like it, it let's you in on a little secret. It, Jason Garrett doesn't know how to coach. He doesn't know how to coach. <laughs> but, yeah, but you know what, though? Here's the thing. How much I, I get that, though. And I'm going to say this. When, when Ron Rear was let go from the Panthers, I thought that was a premature move as well. Another guy hit by the injury bug. We say these guys can't coach, but at some point, these guys got to go play the game. Sometimes these guys got to catch footballs and run footballs and block guys and do things. And, and I mean, again, Jason Garrett can't go play the game for these guys. If they're that good, do they really need a great coach? That's a question I ask you. These are NFL guys you're talking about, Will. These aren't high school kids. You don't have to tell them to eat and do this. I mean, they don't get they, they struggle doing that on the high school level. So if they struggle eating breakfast and lunch and dinner before <laughs> they come to a football game in high school, what do you think these guys are doing in the NFL? It's the same thing. If they're yeah. that good on the paper, and, and again, I'm not a Cowboy fan. Matter of fact, the biggest I, – I, I'm right there with Stephen A. Smith. I'm probably the biggest non-Cowboy fan you'll meet in the world. But I respect talent when I see talent, and I like – I like I, I like the quarterback over there at Dallas. I, I enjoyed watching him do his thing at Mississippi State. He played for Dan Mullen, now down in Florida. I, I like the factor of uh, the running back there, the old Buckeye, right? Mm-hmm. He, he runs around, does some things. I like some of the athletes over there. I like Jason Witten. I like some of those guys. But if you're that good on paper, you should be that good on the field. Don't blame your coach because you can't catch a pass. Don't blame your coach because you can't block a dude. Don't blame your coach because you don't show up on a Sunday afternoon and play some daggone football. It's always the coach's fault for when they don't do right. But when they do right, oh, those are the greatest guys ever. You don't right. do you know, and I And I hated to I kind of that. do that to you. No, it's but, okay. But, again, for me to come to the rescue of Jason Garrett, that ought to show you something. And there are other people. He will, he will land on his feet somewhere else, and he will win somewhere. Your ego, sometimes when you put so many five-star dudes on a field, it doesn't mix well. Chemistry is huge. And in Dallas, the chemistry sucks. Look at the Cleveland Browns. And so does their record. Look at the Cleveland Browns. Same thing. Prime example. Why would you bring Odell Beckham anywhere? He is a cancer. He is a me guy. He is not a we guy. He's just not the guy. I don't like He was a Buckeye too, wasn't he? I think so. No. No. He was LSU. He was the LSU guy. He went LSU. So I get him and somebody else mixed up. But nevertheless, uh, yeah, he was the honey badger. No. I see. That's who I get him mixed no. up with. Yeah. No, you're, no, you're right, though. Um, no, it was uh, it was him and Jarvis Landry were teammates at LSU, and, there you and go. then somehow they got reunited in Cleveland. But yeah, I mean, I mean, chemistry. This was the talk at the beginning of the year for the Cleveland Browns. Is that if this all goes well, we're talking about a Super Bowl. If this all goes bad, then like who, who's going to be who's going to be pointing the who's going to be pointing the people the fingers at who? Right. And with the Cleveland Browns, man, like first of all, I I think that it really stems from from the the head coach, Freddie Kitchens, because. I I'm not sure if he really if he really knows all of the, the the discipline that comes with and and the playmaking decisions that comes with with being a head coach. Again, I don't want to bash him like uh, like um, I I kind of did with with Jason Garrett. And I apologize for no, that. No 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 no. You, yeah, you but, state your point. That's okay. Don't ever say yeah. that. I would say if that's how you feel. Stay with your feeling, man. Of course. 
I just uh, on the other side say it the other way. Now you do bring a good point up there, Will, because this is a different argument a for different a different coach. Si- this is a very different situation. It's a very different uh it's a very different team for that matter. And uh, you know, for the Cle- like for the Cleveland Browns to be so hyped up preseason and and people just betting their money and like, oh man, they're going to the playoffs, they're gonna win the Super Bowl. They have a they have a second year quarterback, they have a uh, they have an all-star receiver in Odell Beckham Jr. They have Jarvis Landry. They have Nick Chubb, and and Baker Mayfield was just just so stellar in the first uh, in the in the latter part of his first year, his rookie season, putting up all these numbers and 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 then throwing these uh st- these numbers from ESPN stats and information about all of this. And dude, come on, like this is this is a second-year quarterback and a first-year coach. Baker Mayfield has more commercials than he has wins at this point. And and that's the that is the running joke from now until whenever next season begins. And and Lord knows how many more commercials that he is going to be in uh, come this time next year. But I'm going to digress from that. The the topic of conversation will, that surrounds the Dallas Cowboys is you know it has been can they can they have a win against winning teams against winning record teams? They did against the against the Rams, and then now the Rams have been. Um, They've been pushed out of the playoff picture now because the, their their division is uh, uh, so competitive now with uh, with San Francisco and with Seattle, uh, and and then of course Minnesota is uh, the second wild card team there, uh, going up against Green Bay in the same in the same division. Uh, but you know the, the the Rams the Rams have been the biggest surprise to me uh, this year because uh, I think that um, I think that Sean McVay was found out either that or I believe this more more so, but uh, I, I think that Jared Goff is not not the right quarterback for for that offense. I, and, and this is, again, my, my opinion. It's not me stating it as fact, but I've, I've just had the speculation with the way that uh, these games have gone uh, for them in, with the St. Louis Rams, or, or the, the L.A. Rams, I'm sorry. Um, still thinking that they're in St. Louis a couple years ago. Um, with the L.A. Rams and Sean McVay, you know, how much is it that has the coach been found out or is Jared Goff not the quarterback that, that they need? And, and, and that, I, that to me is the, the, the bigger question here uh, as far as can they be able to turn this around next year, do the same thing again, or, uh, or produce something even better because they were in the Super Bowl last year and now they're knocked out of the playoffs. And the the Patriots are the the second seed now, right behind Baltimore in the AFC. Uh, and, and they had a they had a team again. Uh, they have a team in Buffalo, the same team that's in their division, and 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 they're having success with with a um, with one of the great quarterbacks of all time in Tom Brady. I have a, which I have an argument about that personally, but um, that's neither here nor there. I'm talking about the Rams. How much of this success, or, or how much of this success, is is uh, predicated on Sean McVay's offense, and how much of it is lost in has he been found out, or has it been that Jared Goff is not the quarterback that they need? You know, it's, I think it's, it's a couple of different fronts here. There's a lot of people that think the, the Cardinals end up winning this game here, and you know, a couple of people think, of course, it's going to be the, the, the Rams to lose here. But for me, it's a new team, it's a new year, it's a new theme. It's it's everything's new. Even though I get it, you still have some guys on the same roster from last year. It's just not. A, it's a new year. 2018 is what it was. 
All right. Now it is 2019. So what you did again, if you do the same thing and this isn't true for everybody because New England seems to compare and beat this thing year in and year out. Not everybody's New England and the Rams are definitely no, no Patriot here. Uh, but if you keep doing the same thing over and over again and you don't understand that somebody on the other side is adding. It's like working out. If you're not working out, somebody else is. And I think that's what you're seeing here. I do think that there's a chance here that Cardinals come in here and, and, and upset the Rams. And it's going to be a big upset in, in a lot of different ways for me. I just think that you look at that running back over there, Drake, who uh, – Kenyon Drake, I believe is his name. That's right. You know, this kid's going to – he's going to run some, some big things here. You know, he'll finish the season off with some uh, pretty solid all-purpose yards here. He's going to be the difference maker in this game for me. I get it that you look at a team like, – again, uh, the Cardinals are 5-9-1 and one coming in here. They got nothing to lose other than the ball game. Well, they've already lost nine of those anyways. So what's the 10th one? doesn't matter. <laughs> this is their Super Bowl. So they're going to come in here. They'll throw the kitchen sink at it. The Rams, eight and seven. The Rams have a little bit more to kind of look at. What are they going to do? How are they going to work itself out? Uh, you know, realistically, this is kind of their Super Bowl, I guess you would say as well, right? Right. So, so for me, this is momentum going into draft and going into this, that, and the other, into the offseason for both of these two teams. And, uh, again, the Rams just uh, – other teams got better, and the Rams just kind of stayed at, at stalemate. Yeah. Um, and the thing about the Cardinals, you know, uh, I, I think that for his first year, Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach for the Arizona Cardinals, has done, a, has done an amazing job uh, despite going 5-9-1. and one, uh, You know, they tied with the, the Detroit Lions in, in the first week of the year, um, and that, that's the one tie that, uh, that NFL games have seen. But – you know, to go five nine and one, and uh, one one win actually was against uh, Seattle last week. Um, I, I think it was probably in Seattle. But um, the Cardinals, they they have their number one pick. They have their. Uh, I think that they have their quarterback for the future, and, and that's uh, that's who they wanted. That's who Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury wanted, and it's going to take a few more key pieces. Uh, they're they're in a very difficult division um, with uh, with Seattle, with San Francisco, and of course with the Rams. Um, and so the the NFC West is is one of the tougher uh, divisions. Uh, I would even say, along with the NFC North, um, that how it was last year or at the beginning of this year. Um, but Arizona, th- this is gonna this is a very telling off season for Kyler Murray because he he has been used to winning like all throughout his all throughout his career playing football in high school uh, at a, at a high school in Texas. Uh, his first year, I think it was his sophomore year, uh, that he lost his first game, and then he had won every game since. He uh, ended up going to win a, a state, I think a state title in uh, the two years that he was there, or maybe his senior year, it was just the, that state title. And then he goes off to uh, college. He's uh, recruited by Texas Tech, and then uh, enters the transfer portal, and then goes to Oklahoma uh, in the Lincoln Riley system and goes on to win a Heisman goes on to win a bunch of games and then is drafted number one overall by the Arizona Cardinals who now stand at five, nine and one. And that could either go uh, to, to six, nine and one or to five, 10 and one uh, depending on how they want to play this game uh, come four twenty-five on Sunday. And the Rams looking at it right now, they are favored by two field goals and it's it's going to be like I said it's going to be very telling on Kyler Murray because he is so used to winning he's so used to that that success and uh, teammates of his 
uh, and people that know him best have seen him. Uh, th- this is a different version of Kyler Murray, kind of being, uh, kind of being quiet, being humble about uh, about his experience as an NFL um, as an NFL quarterback. Because uh, he, he's he's just sitting he's sitting in his locker room, you know, head down, quiet, uh, really think I guess really thinking to himself. Um, but he he is a great quarterback, uh, and it's because of the uh, Russell Wilson and the Drew Brees, um, and more so of Russell Wilson because uh, the, it's the this year has been dubbed the year of the black quarterback with Lamar Jackson, with Patrick Mahomes, with Russell Wilson. Um, I, I I don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo is there in the mix as well, but uh, you have Deshaun Watson and um, yeah, Dwayne Haskins and then Kyler Murray and throw him into that mix. Uh, and, and just, uh, looking at Cam Newton, uh, is one, uh, but you know, you take a look around the league you take a look around the league and what do you see? You see these, uh, you see quarterbacks that are, are different in different systems and each, and I think that almost every team has cultivated a system that, that fits the quarterback specifically. And Kyler Murray is like a Russell Wilson where he is a, he's a mobile quarterback, but he's able to also throw it and run it just about as, uh, as about as equally talented, uh, balanced uh, quarterback on both sides uh, of his game. And so I'm just looking at the future of the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, what are they going to be able to produce next year? Uh, because they're, they're going to be probably a mid round, uh, mid first round pick, uh, maybe a late, uh, a late 10th or ninth. Just uh, ba- based on how the the draft goes, if they haven't traded away any assets, what is that? What is next year going to look like for them? How are they going to be poised to success uh, in in Kyler Murray's second year and his uh, uh, head coach's Cliff Kingsbury's second year as a head coach in in a tough NFC West division, Richie? Uh, you know, that's a tough deal because here's the thing. You mentioned uh, the NFC West, and, and again, uh, San Francisco is going to keep getting better. They've got a great nucleus of guys not only on their roster but on their staff there. They're getting better day in and day out. Uh, Seattle's got, of course, uh, their head coach who is one of the only few coaches that I've seen go from college to pro and back to college, back to pro, and still be good at wherever he coaches at. You know, I'm not always the biggest fan of this guy. I didn't like the way he left Southern California. I think a lot of Southern Cal's problems still stem from the way that he did what he did when he had Reggie Bush and things like that. But, you know, he also implicated a rule now for college. If you have you know, some type of punishment in college, you can't come right back in the NFL and hide away. Uh, so you have certain things there. But it's going to be hard to overtake those two programs, those two uh, franchises there uh, again. And then the Rams. The Rams have found ways to do things. This is not their stellar year. They're still 8-7. and seven. You know, just think about it. They were eight and seven. And let's just say this Rams team was in the NFC East. I mean, heck, they probably had already won it, possibly. I mean, you know, you, you have to look at it that way as well. So, you know, how far away is is a team like the Cardinals? That They're not that far away. It's just they got so many other entities to go against. They're, again, you, you don't know what you have in a draft. No different than you have in an autograph from a young man coming out of high school. He looks to be a five-star kid. He looks to have this. He looks to have that. You know, I saw a stat. Uh, yesterday. Matter of fact, it was the Miami uh, game that they have, I want to say 30, 45, four and five stars. And and the team that beat them in that bowl game had one five star. Maybe it was a four star, but he's either four or five stars that they were ranking. So you just don't know. And you, you put a lot of energy into drafts. And I don't, 
Look, I, I get it that the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 the biggest time they show out is in New York during draft day. But when that's your biggest party, dude, you're not good. And that's where the NFC East is heading right now completely to me. And, and so we're already talking about, you know, next year. But, but man, look at the slate coming in here today. Look at the slate tomorrow and all weekend. And then if this is any indication of how good the NFC and the AFC playoffs are going to be, man, wow. The next two months are going to be really good. Yeah, they, they are, especially in the NFC and how, how competitive that a lot of these divisions, all, all except one, we know which one is not that competitive. I, I want to throw shade as much as I can to the NFC least. Anyways, um, yeah, it, it, it's going to be very – this is the game, this is the week, the games that come down to, um, come down to the wire. And, and I would expect – I would hope, uh, just just for a fan of football and wanting to see good football, I would hope that all these games uh, come close and that they uh, go the direction that um, you know. Of course, that I, I hope that they go in, in the wins and the, for the teams that I want to win. Um, the biggest one would be, of course, uh, Seattle and San Francisco because that that's a rivalry that it's been it's been a rivalry for a for a very long time. And now with, with Marshawn Lynch coming back, you, you alluded to this earlier, and, and I kind of want to get your thoughts on this. Um, I don't think that they're really going to utilize him much in this game, un- unless that he has just, you know, beast mode is beast mode, and he only eats Skittles for, for a promo. That's the only time that he ever eats them. And um, he, he got his cleats off from the power line, brought him back down, put him, put him back on, and he's been training for, he's been training for weeks upon weeks. Uh, ready for this moment to possibly come back uh, to Seattle. It's a, a, a homecoming, if you will. And, and this game is at Seattle. Uh, and, and this team is looking to, to be a San Francisco team who uh, they, they, they want to knock down. They want to uh, just uh, completely roll over the 49ers. How they're going to do that, I'm not so sure, because each team has uh, key pieces on offense. Um, but also on, on the defensive side as well. Uh, in my opinion, possibly uh, Seattle is, is better on defense if, if the injuries um, aren't, aren't as, uh, as apparent as, as other ones. But <clears throat> talking about Marshawn Lynch and fitting into the Seattle Seahawks offense, if, if they can be able to go back to the days of old when he did play, how are they going to utilize him, or are they going to utilize him in this game? I, I don't think that he is going to uh, touch the ball more, <clears throat> more than 10 times. Uh, if he touches it more than 10 times, then, then that just uh, goes to show how much of an athlete that he truly is. Because for him to be, come out of retirement and go uh, start practicing uh, within a week and then going up against uh, the top team in the NFC and the top team in your division, and this is a rivalry game, it's going to be loud. Like, how how do you take that? Um, like, how do you prepare for that, if you will? I think that if that how Seattle uh, plays out in the playoffs, he's going to be a key piece uh, come January. But I I find it really hard for Marshawn Lynch if he is going to play at all in in this game on Sunday. Uh, what role he's going to play? Uh, in in this rivalry game, that all the chips are on the table. 
you know, for me, Will, I, I like this matchup because it's no different than watching Green Bay play Minnesota, the Dallas Cowboys playing the Redskins. You know, there are these rivalries that have been going on for a long time, and because it's a West Coast rivalry, you don't hear about it as much as you do on the East Coast a lot of times. And now the NFL is a little different than it is in college because they're played earlier. Right. That being said, you know, my question is, is Jadavion Clowney going to stand up? Is he going to step up? He has been so injury-bugged since he left the University of South Carolina. The Texans used him. When he plays, he plays out. He balls out. He's he is the beast mode of the defensive side of things, but they need him to step up. He needs to have a big game today. It's, and it's not like they, they don't come in here already with, with a running back over there uh, in, in the likes of Seattle. They've got Carsons over there. This kid's already ran for over 1,200 yards. He already knows how to run the ball. Yeah. What this is going to do, this is going to divvy up the pie a little bit. You saw this even in the high school level, college level. You see this when you have multiple running backs. It gives you multiple opportunities to do multiple things. Somerville, for prime example, kind of dive in a little bit. Somerville had a, a K.J. Rollins kid who was a track kid. This kid was a guy, if you get him on the corners, he's running down the sideline. Carson's a lot like that. Get him down the sideline. Get him wide open. He Touch was, from the ball. He's downhill. He was fast, uh, quick, and twitchy almost. Very much. And then all of a sudden you had Darian Larry. Darian Larry, kind of the bowling ball of the bunch here. Mm-hmm. Just like Beast Mode, built the same, drags him the same, five, six deep. It's like he's playing a game of piggyback. And everybody on the other team jumped on my back. I'm going to give you a ride for five feet, five whatever yards down the street. And for me, that's the thing that's going to do the thing for me. I would set him up almost in a wishbone formation, put one to the left, one to the right, quarterback sitting there somewhere in the shotgun formation maybe even, and, and have some fun with it here because what that does then, that opens up your opportunity to, to throw the ball. Now, they are down. If you look at it, they are actually they are down a receiver there. And uh, Malik Turner, he's out today, or he'll be out Monday. Right. That being said, they're going to have to go to Lockett and see what he can do He's got over 1,000 yards catching the ball, and he's caught over 76 passes with seven touchdowns going in. So, to me, it is in Seattle. They talk about the 12th man in A&M. They got the 12th man in Seattle. That's a loud place to play, man. Seattle's a legit spot. You talked about that um, in New Orleans. But Seattle is, is well known for the noise, for that 12th man, for the atmosphere. I mean, they, they, oh, they are. even with Green Bay is the same way. Green Bay, they're going to be better suited to play at home all year long during the playoffs because they did lose three games this year, two of those on the road. They're just not as good on the road as they are at home, and that's Aaron Rodgers struggles a little bit on the road than he does at home. But same thing goes here. I, I think if you look at this game, and I like Seattle in this one, I would go ahead and pick it ahead and say, well, I get that, that you have the likes of San Fran and what they bring to the table, but I wonder if, if, if they're on such a high that they don't really dive into some of the second-tier, third-tier guys because – they have done a good job in their draft selection. Seattle has in putting guys, plugging guys, and bringing guys, rotating in them out probably better than anybody in the NFL. Yeah, and uh, San Francisco in this game right now is favored by three and a half. I, I disagree with that, and I, I'm going with Seattle because I, I think that just the, the, the motivation that Seattle has to, to want to win this game um, and, and also because of uh, me being a Green Bay fan, wanting to uh, see – the the 49ers be be brought down to a number two uh to a number two seed in in the playoffs in the nfc playoff picture um but with seattle and the way that they get like you said being able to utilize their players and and to uh you know plug and play uh has been very very tried and very true and it's a very tough place to play there in seattle where the sound the sound just bounces off every every single crevice they that they can get it um you you've seen that stadium right the way that the uh, the way that the awning on on the sides of the um, on the sides of the bleachers uh, just kind of going up, it, it it 
kind of is a like half of a dome and it create it creates such a sound um just to kind of create such a soundboard uh, for for that noise to be able to bounce off same as uh same as the superdome but uh something that i heard as well is how teams up north like the, like the green bays like the new englands where football in january is uh some of the best football to be played because it's cold and because the elements that are that are the outdoors are tried and true and with these teams like the new englands like the green bays they are accustomed to it because and i say this that for for a team to go up there and to play in, in those harsh conditions whether it snows or whether it's just so like frostbitten cold almost for them to you know go up there and to uh, and to just ball out or, or expecting to ball out and then you you get shut out because you don't know how to uh, play in this in this type of weather. Think about the um, the L.A. Chargers and Philip Rivers going up to uh, going up to Foxborough last year, I think it was, and, and they it it was a tough game. It was a very tough game for them to play in with those elements because I think it it did start snowing earlier that day, uh, and then by the time <clears throat> By the time it kicked off, it was still uh, very frigid temperatures, uh, same as Green Bay. And Green Bay has been getting a lot of snow recently, uh, and, and, and I don't expect it to, to let up anytime soon. But um, let me talk about the, the Packers here real quick, and we, and we, can, uh, we can jump on this as well. Um, I personally believe as great as the Packers are, as great as Aaron Rodgers is, they are, they are going to struggle if they don't catch the ball because a lot of the success has come from the other Aaron and that's Aaron Jones and for Green Bay they need to they need to utilize their their franchise quarterback as much as they can but it also it all comes down to the receivers uh like like the Jimmy Graham for example that he gets the ball that Aaron Rodgers gets the ball in in the right spots gets them in the right spaces and then is able to uh, he's able to sling it, and they're able to catch it for for either the short game or for the long game. However, you want to look at it, they they are going to need to place emphasis on making receptions rather than making big plays, and that to me has it's been the struggle down the stretch, and if it continues, that's going to be the struggle in the playoffs, and. This is one of the greatest defenses that Aaron Rodgers has has had to play with since he's been the starter at Green Bay. And now, like how how is that going to look if all of the if all of the work and all the effort is going to be placed on the on the Green Bay defense and offense can't be able to produce and to uh, keep the defense off the field as much as they can. Well, for me, Will, you know, and, and being a Packer guy myself, uh, you know, I, I do have the ability of doing, I guess, maybe the radio's kind of taken me and TV's taken me out of the whole wearing my glasses, the garnet glasses for the Gamecocks and the green glasses for, of course, my Packers. But, you, you know, Aaron, why I look at Rodgers over the weekend, there were a lot of passes dropped last weekend, but there was a lot of bad calls on his end, forcing balls in that he never forces in and doing things. And, and really watching the receiver, never checking off the receiver and going the other way. He watched receivers last weekend that I've never seen him really do. Uh, he threw three picks, I think, two or three picks, and that's not Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers doesn't throw interceptions here, so he didn't look as good. As much as we, I want to blame a receiver for not catching it, Aaron Rodgers didn't look good. 
And Aaron Rodgers doesn't look good on the road. And that's why I said it earlier. He's got to play at home. This, oh, by the way, congratulations to the Green Bay Packers. You finally gave Aaron Rodgers a defense. He hasn't had a defense. They've been depleted. They've been used. They've been uh, outdated guys in the secondary. They traded off guys to get draft picks. They got rid of their coach and brought in this other guy, upgraded this other coach who now is one of the most youngest, or he's the most winningest coach and the youngest that he's been and all this other stuff. That's great and all. But to me, look, you're Aaron Rodgers. You're the Green Bay Packers. You've been here before. Even if you've never been here before, you knew when you came to Green Bay, when you came to play in a stadium that I had the opportunity to go in and watch Aaron Rodgers play against Brett Favre when the Vikings came into town on a Sunday night in America game. Mm -hmm. It was incredible. It is as advertised. It is the greatest stadium on earth. You go in there being a Cowboy fan. You go in there being a a Vikings fan. Probably not Vikings because they're diehard fans over there, too, and it's a rivalry. But anybody else goes into Green Bay, Wisconsin, trust and believe me. You can ask anybody that goes in the stadium. It's hard not to come out and be a Packer fan. It's like going on the campus at Clemson University. It's hard not to sign on the dotted line and become uh, a, a member of the Tigers right then and there because of the atmosphere, the environment, the history that comes in here. So that those are all the, the, the ingredients, Will, of why it's important to see Green Bay host four different games throughout the playoffs that gets them to the Super Bowl. Because I'm telling you, if this team does get home field advantage, Will, they will make it to the Super Bowl. Other than that, I don't think they have what it takes to get there. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be difficult. You know, they're they're guaranteed at least uh, if I if I'm just being able to remember how the, the playoff seeds and how they work. Uh, if if they win this game, despite despite it, all that happens, if they win this game, they have a first round bye. Now it would be uh, it would be the second uh, second uh, uh, the second seed if they win and San Francisco wins. If Seattle wins, then they are the number one seed with a first-round bye uh, for Green Bay. Now, for Green Bay to have that number one seed, that, that's where the important uh, aspect of it comes in because then you have, you have the wild-card games, they play them, that's their first-round bye. Then they play uh, the, the, I think it's the four and five or the, or the three and six uh, that played each other. And, then, and so then that, that game there, uh, that's, the, that's the second weekend, that's the uh, semifinal, and then the championship game, they're going to have to have that, that home field advantage against the, um, see, I would say against the uh, San Francisco or against the um, or the New Orleans, and that that's where the it places a point of emphasis because it's loud, it's cold, has all the elements of of classic, um, just classic all around great football, and and that's the that's the culture and tradition that Green Bay has, and you know you know that the fan like you're a fan, I'm a fan. You know, you've been longer. You've been a Green Bay fan longer, and I, I have not uh, had the the privilege to go up to Lambeau yet. But uh, just the the culture and the the, the aura that surrounds uh, games that that they play up there, uh, especially with a game a game this this caliber and, and this important, and then also in the playoffs as well. Those fans are going to show up. They're, those fans are going to be loud. Those fans are going to give the opposing team such a hard time that they will have a hard time uh, trying to make the right plays or being able to hear uh, with the snap count or, um, you know, being able to hear their, um, the, the quarterback to be able to hear in the headset what, what play is going to be called um, and, and just any audibles, anything that is, that is going to be relayed by mouth is going to be deafened by the sound of Packers fans. And that to me is, that's going to be important. I know it's going to be important. Uh, throughout the entire push of the playoffs to be able to play in a Super Bowl in February. 
Yeah, yeah, and, and that's an important thing here, too. This is a road game for, for this final game, if I'm not mistaken. This is a road game, actually, for uh, Green Bay. I, I think they do go to Detroit the, uh, here uh, this weekend, so they'll be on the road. And, and that's, that's a recipe for disaster if, if you are – you know, you want to be on the negative side of, of being, of course, a, a Green Bay Packer guy because of the fact that they've lost three games, two of those games on the road, but they were on the West Coast. And I don't really understand that whole deal there. You know, they have to play somebody outside of the, AF, the NFC, so they went to the AFC, they went to the West Coast, and they lost to two teams there. And, and not bad teams. I think the, the Raiders were a team they lost to them uh, there. And, again, I'm kind of uh, – you know, I, I can accept that just because of Hunter Renfro and our ties here to the state of South Carolina – but when you look at the big picture things, and you kind of go into uh, the ups and downs and all arounds, again, yeah, to have them at home, to have them in, in, in on Lambeau Field over there in Green Bay, Wisconsin, every single day of the playoffs, man, that right there is a recipe that you want if you are Aaron Rodgers. They live for those moments. They live for the days of, of the frozen tundra, you know, the jumping in and, and the Lambeau leaps. You know, it's just not the same leaping into somebody else's stands and into your own fans' hands. It just means more when you're you're in Green Bay, and to see it firsthand, to be a part of it there, it, it's just a different deal, man. To see the guys get done with practices on, uh, I think it's Thursday or Friday, and they ride their bikes, and the kids are there riding the bikes with them, you know, all that stuff there, the tradition, the history that you're used to seeing a lot of that in, in college football, it happens there on the on the field and on the campus and on the on the property over there in, in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and that to me is why I tell people if you ever want to pull for a team in college in high school, excuse me, in the pros. It's like college. That's what you want. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I found interesting when uh, I found this out was that, uh, in, in case you, the listener, have no idea about this, but uh, Green Bay, uh, the Packers are the only team that is not does not have a single owner. The, the Packers they have they have a they have a panel uh, they have a, a board of uh, directors that uh, make the make the football decisions that make these. Uh, uh, that make these decisions like a like a president or like an owner would uh, appointing the GMs, appointing the uh, uh, the the coaches and whoever uh, makes those decisions. But it all comes through it all comes through that board of directors, and, and that to me I think uh, is why that they've been uh, such a, a lasting um, like such a lasting staple in the National Football League for for a century, and uh, that that culture why there are so many players either that hate the Green Bay Packers or they want to go play for them. That's why you have so many fans that either are fans or just absolutely despise them, kind of like the Dallas Cowboys in a way. But I don't know many people that despise the Packers. Yeah, that's I know. A, that's the weird I thing. know. I mean, and you it, say that, and that, yeah. that makes sense. Well, and what's cool is that, you know, my dad and mom still reside in Surfside Beach, South Carolina. Their neighbor is from Green Bay, Wisconsin. He actually owns a share. He got it a couple of years ago from his wife, uh, a, a share. They are all shareholders of, of owning the Packers, and that's how it's owned. It's owned yeah. by shareholders there. So that could be anybody in the city, anybody that, that, that goes in and purchases a share when it's open. I mean, there's a window, if I'm not mistaken, that they go in there and they get a piece of this uh, this pie, if you will. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, there aren't many. The only There's only a couple of fans. I know Chicago hates them, <laughs> and, and I know for a sure bet the Minnesota. that the Minnesota Vikings can't stand them. <laughs> Other than that, I, I don't see a lot of people that just hate the Packers. They just don't. Not, not hate the Packers is like the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, nobody, like hate, yeah, nobody, nobody hates, hates them. them like that. Yeah. Or even like the Raiders. Now, the Raiders, you either like them or hate them. There are a Ooh, lot of people yeah. that – Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, so there are teams out there and like even the, the Cowboys. And even their own fans hate them, though, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of the best fights you'll see is their own fans fighting one another. Yeah, but, uh, you know, interesting. Fans on the team, the stadium is in the neighborhood of Green Bay. And, like, the neighborhood was built around the stadium. 
and yes. the stadium was built on farmland. I think that's the coolest thing. That's and great. I, and I don't Gra- wanna... Like grassroots. Well, check it out. So, so when I pulled up to Green Bay, Wisconsin, and I stayed at the lodge, whatever, it's like a hunter's lodge. It looked like a log cabin. It's really neat. Uh, there's a little water slide inside, and, oh, man, it's all great. There's a, if you're into gambling, there's a little gambling casino across the street. The airport's right over here. There's a ton <laughs> of cheese factories here. Everybody's having their wine and cheese. And uh, it, it is what it is. Brett Favre's got a steakhouse down the street. Uh, but when you you're, you're right though. When you pull up, it looks just like a college campus a lot of times because there are houses right there. And these people are nuts, man. They paint their houses Green Bay Packer colors. The roofs are painted. The fences are painted. And these aren't like big homes. These are small, you know, 1,200 square foot homes that are right up around the stadium. They've got this bar that people will will venture through, stumble through, and get to to get to the stadium. It's like a like a Millville. It's, you you it's, know it's, those Millville homes that they kind of they kind of all look yeah. the same, but they're all very unique well, in their but, own way. Yeah, and and it's not it's not cookie cutter cookie cutter at all. I've I've seen I've seen pictures. I I know exactly yeah, cookie, what you're talking yeah, it, about. It's a cylinder blockhouse. It's a cylinder block. That's what I mean. It really is. Yeah. Because again, it keeps you warmer in the winter, right? And it mm-hmm. probably keeps you cooler in the summer. And, and again, I'm not a builder. Definitely don't want me building your house. But I will tell you this: is that it is so cool. It was, it, and I've been to a lot of stadiums. I've been to. I've watched the Redskins play. I've seen the Falcons play. I've seen the Dolphins down there play. I've seen Jacksonville play. The Charlotte. I've been in a bunch of different stadiums and seen it, even baseball-wise. But this one, even when I walked on, and again, I've never been to heaven, okay? But I got to tell you, man, it, it, it's, it's, it's got to be pretty right on. Because when I walked on to Lambeau Field, and I got to walk on Lambeau Field, yeah. I took the tour with the, with the Sunday Night in America guys. It was because I was there on their sports thing. And it was so real. It was so amazing you get a tour of the stadium they walked us in the locker room they walked us on the field and i'll never forget walking through that end zone and they have this thing around where they they turn on these fans not like the blowing fans like the fans in the crowd and they gave you this feeling and then all of a sudden and the whole it just it man it was so amazing and that to me was better than any college atmosphere i had ever been in i mean it really was they tailgate right they tailgate yeah. right They've got a quad, a, a band that runs around, and they got quads playing and a drumline little deal there. It's just really neat. And again, if you've never gone to Lambeau Field, you haven't. That's I, I, be, I am, I am going before one. I die. Number that's, one, don't that, wait. Yeah, don't, no, that, yeah. That, that's a, that's a given from my girlfriend. She's been texting me throughout the show, and she's like, "Hey, you're, you're, we're, we are going to Lambeau before you die." Has no, she, she has. I, I think so she knows. she's been at least, I think once or twice. But yeah. I, I know that she's been there. She, she absolutely loved it. Um, I, I think that, of course, her parents, uh, her, her dad being a, a huge Green Bay right, Packers fan right. is the, the one that usually is the, the one that takes point and he is, uh, and he has uh, a bunch of stuff. He has a, he has a signed, uh, Green Bay, um, helmet there in, in his living room. I think he has a old, uh, Bart Starr Jersey. Right. Um, and, 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 you know, being around that family, of course, it's, it's great because I get to learn, uh, so much that I wouldn't have on my own about the Green Bay sure. Packers and the history um, and just the, like the reverence that that comes with it, and it's almost uh, uh, <laughs> almost like another religion, if you will, being a Green Bay Packer. But you know how hard it was for me growing up being a a Brett Favre fan from college and watching him go into the Packers organization and the way he went in there, and then all of a sudden I get there and Sunday night number one, it wasn't even cold, so I was like, oh, well, this is. I thank God it was cold. It yeah. wasn't cold, and it was early, it was late in the season. It was like a weird warm front come through. And uh, there were some guys. I mean, it was still chilly. People were still wearing shorts in Green Bay because if it's above, you know, the positive temperature, to them, that's, that's warm in, in late October, November. And I, I'll never forget walking out there and getting in, 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 in getting the press box area. And then I, we walked out on the field during the game, and I see Brett Favre comes out. And, and I, it's like watching your girlfriend cheat on you. 
And she, he walked out. And uh, he had on, yeah, he had yeah. on his what, 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 what? And look, and Matthews made him pay for it, dude. That dude ripped his jersey, punched him in the mouth, slammed him down. His nose is bleeding. You know, this is Brett Favre. You know, yeah. and, and and you felt bad for him, but you're like, dude, I told you don't go out with that dude. Yeah, I told you don't go over there. This is what you think the grass is greener. It's not greener. It 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 would be one thing to go to any, any. It would be one thing to go to any of the other uh twenty twenty seven teams, twenty eight yeah. teams, but you choose to go to a division rival. That that's that's a no no. But I'm still I forgave him. Yeah, We're and, and I, I think that a lot of Packers uh after at, of course after he retired. A yeah. lot, I think a lot of them end up forgiving him. And well, he, I forgave him as soon as still... he left the game. As soon as the game was over, I was like, I'm done. Oh, yeah. We just beat you. We're good. The thing that was weird to me, and I want you to keep going because I know there's about eight minutes left. But, I gotcha. Um, that being said, it was weird for me, and, and I don't like these jerseys that are two-sided. And to see a, a, a true blue, honest-to-God Packer fan wear Packers to the left or Packers to the right and Vikings to the left or Vikings to the right split jersey, no, sir. That's like watching a Gamecock and a Tiger or Florida State yeah. in Florida. Florida. Auburn and Alabama, unless that's your kid, that doesn't make any sense to me. I'm not going to go with that. I felt it was really weird. And to see, man, it was a, they probably had to have some psychiatry going on Monday morning somewhere in Green Bay, Wisconsin, because of the fact that there were so many fans, dude, that it was like, not to mention Sunday, it was a Saturday night before that was that MMA fight with Brock Lesnar. It was his debut. Yeah. He got dropped by like the world's smallest dude in like 30 seconds. So not only did these people over here just get taken by their money by uh, paying for all this, and then they had to go in there and watch. Thank God that, that the Packers stood tall and, and won that game. Because you imagine if Brett Favre went into Green Bay, Wisconsin, and beat the Packers with a Vikings jersey on. Holy crap, dude. That place would have went that would have That would have changed the course of history for, for a lot of things. That would have yeah. changed the course of history as we know it. Put it, put it in the textbooks. No, but uh, you know, once a Packer, always a Packer, and and that's that's how a lot of the Packers fans see it, and that, and that's kind of something that I'm uh, really starting to learn myself. But um, <clears throat> about five minutes left in this show, uh, I, I wanted to talk about it a little bit more, um, and, and unfortunately we didn't get the chance to, but that's okay because what is there really to talk about? Antonio Brown back in the news again uh, yesterday as the show was going on. Uh, got these notifications saying that he was going to be uh, working out with the New Orleans Saints. Now, <clears throat> as I understand it, with the New Orleans Saints, if he were to sign, he would more than likely, most likely, be put on the commissioner's exempt list, meaning that he, like, if, if New Orleans were, were to sign him to a contract for a dollar, he'd still get paid a dollar, but he wouldn't be able to play on the gridiron at all because the commissioner's exempt list says so, is that it's basically paid leave. And it, it's because of these investigations that, that still surround him uh, from the beginning of this NFL season back in, back in September. And um, as far as I know, that investigation is still ongoing. But what we know so far is that uh, Sean, Payton, Sean Payton has explicitly said that he, that he wants nothing but, uh, nothing but clarity coming from uh coming like just coming from both sides um and and that's why that they're being very they're being very upfront uh with with these workouts and and with these um you know the NFL has made it clear that AB uh will likely go on the exempt list until the investigation is complete that is if he signs and all that he did yesterday was just work out for the Saints um and and so it's it's an interesting uh, topic or, or or a point to make. Um, I, I don't know. I guess Antonio Brown is is still trying to be uh, relevant after all this time. 
Um, I, I personally don't really care for him all that much, uh, just because uh, the way he he was he was great up until the last uh, until week 17 of last season when he was still a Pittsburgh Steeler, and then he shows up after not practicing the whole week. Mike Tomlin benches him, and then a- Antonio Brown throws a fit, and then here, and here's the whole timeline: is that he throws a fit. Then he's, uh, then he's, uh, I, I don't know if he requested a trade or he, he was just went on ahead and was traded, traded to the Oakland Raiders, and the Raiders was a location that he did not want to go. Um, and so then, in order to do that, he he was not really connected uh, with the, with the program, wasn't connected with the players. Um, he he is old enough to be a leader, and he was everything but that. Uh, so much, uh, so much against the the head coach John Gruden. Uh, against the, the, I don't know if it's the owner of the GM, Mike Mayock, and for him to <clears throat> go out the way that he did, uh, and then uh, the same day that he's released, there's talks that he's going to sign with the Patriots, and then word gets out that that's what they wanted all along, is that the Patriots shot for him, but the Steelers didn't want to give him up to the Patriots, and so then, and then all of this, all, like all of this mess that has happened since, he goes to play for the Patriots, and then all of a sudden there are um, the these assault allegations. Uh, coming from uh, coming from this uh, this one woman, and then uh, there was a second one, and then he threatened her, uh, and then he the next day I think he's let go from the Patriots, and then he has we haven't seen him play in an NFL game since uh, week two in Miami, I think it was. So just all of this drama that that surrounds him, and I personally think that if and just say, saying hypothetically speaking, if Antonio Brown were to play for the Saints. The same, the same way that uh, Marshawn Lynch would go to play for uh, the, the Seattle Seahawks. He's going to be inserted in right then and there. I think it would be bad news for, uh, bad news for the Saints. I think bad publicity for the Saints, uh, for, for Sean Payton, for Drew Brees. And what, what would that look like? Because you have, in a Saints team, you have such an a all-star talent in Drew Brees. But you also have, you have an Alvin Kamara. You have a Michael Thomas, and, and Michael Thomas has uh, just surpassed the record for um, most most receptions in a single season. Uh, he passed that that mark last week. So, uh, I want to get your last word on this, Richie, just real quick. What does this look like? What 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 is to be said about the the rumor about Antonio Brown going to work out with the Saints, but nothing is clear yet. No no ink on the paper for a contract or anything like that. It's just uh, um, all of this is, it's not so much hearsay because it's been, it's been confirmed by different sources across the different sports networks, but the way it looks for Antonio Brown and the Saints. Antonio Brown wants to play football. They have an opening and opportunity there. He's an athlete. He might not be the role model that you want your kid to be after, no doubt about it. And that's uh, something that you and your child will get into but for me, you know, this is a guy that wants to work. He wants to play. He's a me guy. He's not a we guy. And uh, right now, if, if his me overlooks your we and, and you guys can make it into the playoffs a little bit deeper, then, then he's a fit. Again, they have a need for him. Everybody has a need for a guy that can catch a t- touchdown pass and that can do the things that Mr. Brown can do. I don't like the energy and the atmosphere that he creates when he walks onto any of these things. We'll wait and see. Uh, it is real. He did go. He did practice. He did the things. They got to get some clarification, and the Saints are going to do what they have to do to get stronger. They want to win a Super Bowl, so I, I don't. I'm not surprised. Yeah, and, and they're going after a Super Bowl, and so uh, we'll we'll see. You know, more of this story is going to, of course, develop, and we may dabble into that on on Monday morning. Uh, 
Before we let you out of here, I uh, want, to, want to send a quick uh, shout-out and a quick thank you to um, uh, Gern's Pharmacy for sponsoring the studio, for Matt's Burgers, and uh, uh, the Fan Zone. Be sure to check out the Fan Zone over there um, at uh, the McCall Center, 5070 International Boulevard in there in North Charleston. Uh, they have so much stuff that they have to um, that they own two locations, one at Suite 106 and 107. So a huge uh, shout out to them as well. Um, wanna wanna thank Richie again for uh, joining me here on the side. And uh, guys, check out all these games that are going to be happening today: uh, college today, NFL tomorrow, and we will see you on Monday to recap all of it. Uh, for Richie Altman, I am Will Porter. This has been the Fifth Quarter Radio Show. This is the final weekend of 2019. A lot of football left to be played, so enjoy it. Take care. See you on Monday.